0: NASCAR Race Review. Um, this week we are reviewing Kansas Speedway and we'll have Hot Topics sound off at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Joining me for tonight's show is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Well,
1: thank you, Sharon. Uh, I was on time. Uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If I had an extra minute in a day, I would be dangerous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look out! <laughs> okay, well we've got a lot to talk about here tonight. Uh, we had three races over the weekend and a couple of uh, some of the series that did not race this weekend but will be racing soon. So uh, in our first half hour we'll give some updates from the ARCA East and the ARCA West series. Uh, they did not race this weekend uh, but we will make sure everybody knows when that next race will take place, and then we'll review the Arkham and Art series, We finally got to see them back on track this week at Kansas Speedway, and uh, it was a fun race to watch, and we'll talk about that all during our first half hour. Then we'll get into a re- review of the NASCAR Truck Series at Kansas, another really good race uh, at the Speedway this weekend. And uh, after that, we'll give a few updates from the NASCAR Xfinity Series. They did not race last weekend, but they will be racing uh, this coming weekend at Darlington. Uh, Next, we'll review the Cup Series at Kansas, uh, another really good race to watch. And if you haven't seen it yet, uh, check out the replays. Uh, It was a fun race to watch and we'll talk all about that. At 10 o'clock, we have our NASCAR Hot Topics sound up with our fan racing crew, and I think it's just going to be you, Mike, and me tonight. Well, that's
1: still quite the mixture there uh, for sure. Uh, I know you got one, uh, I think it's Owen, that's not available on one of the nights, uh, so unfortunate we couldn't get one more to add in, but... Uh, we still have quite the quite the conversation just amongst the three of us.
0: Yeah, Owen's been uh, in finals week uh, this last couple of weeks with, uh, you know, studying for finals week and then going through finals week. Uh, but I think by next week he'll be ready to come back and join us. Uh, and I did try to get uh, Tommy, but unfortunately Tommy was not available for tonight. So... Uh, that's why it is the way it is. (laughs) But let's go ahead and get started with our Arkham and Art Series. Uh, And uh, we'll start with the Arkham and Art Series East because they are actually racing uh, this coming weekend, May the 8th, which is Saturday, at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway, the Music City 200 uh, or otherwise known as the Crosley Record Pressing 200 presented by Action 24/7, and uh, that will be available for TrackPass members to watch live, uh, live streaming. If you are a member of TrackPass with NBC Gold, if you're not a member of TrackPass with NBC Gold, uh, there's always the NBC Sports Network uh, delayed broadcast. And that will happen on Thursday, May the 13th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. I always encourage people, though, please do check your local listings uh, just to make sure that you've got the right time for your area. Uh, And then set your DVRs to catch these races because they are uh, a lot of fun to watch. And these are the up-and-comers working their way up the ladder into NASCAR's top three. So it should be a good one out there in Nashville, Jay. And that's
1: one of those I wish I could say I was close enough I'd run right up there, but I know I got stuff going on in the morning, and then a drive down to Jackson Motor Speedway. And again, one one two extra minutes in a day, <laughs> it would be nice. Oh, I hear you. Great to see NASCAR back in the Nashville area. I know this is the East Series, but it is going to be at the fairgrounds, and I think that race could be. Either a key or uh, how do I say it, good or bad, is going to be a determining factor in the future of NASCAR of any kind at that track and in that area.
0: That is true. Uh, so, you know, as fans, we want to get out there and support that as best we can uh, because uh, that again is is a uh, a big racing area, really. Uh, and there's a lot of fans that I know live out in that area. So, again, get out there to the racetrack and support uh, the Arkham Art Series East as they race there next weekend. It's a nice Saturday afternoon outing, and it uh, should be a lot of fun. Okay. Now, actually, that race, I said Saturday afternoon, uh, but let me tell you what time that race is going to take place uh, because the, the race time – yeah, the race time is actually 8.30 p.m. Eastern, I'm mean, sorry, Central Time, that's 9.30 Eastern, so uh, it's a nice evening out at the local race track for a Saturday night, so uh, definitely want to check that out. In the art, the standings in the Arkham and Art Series East, uh, just to kind of keep everybody up to date, um, Sammy Smith. Has the lead at this point, Jerry.
1: Yeah, I'm getting that pulled up now. Uh, We talked about this. I believe they got two races in. As it loads here, I'll verify that. Yeah, the two races. So you got Sammy Smith and uh, Max Gutierrez as your two winners. Taylor Gray sandwiched in between. And I don't know, Sharon, do you know yet? I know Taylor Gray was going to have some recovery time if he is available yet. Because uh, he is in second spot in between he's those two. Probably not. Huh? Yeah, I didn't think... He... Okay, I, I didn't know if you had an update, but I'm with you. I don't think it was going to be this quick that he'd be ready to go this weekend. We'll see if we can get some more information on that uh, as we look at an entry list, and we'll preview that on Thursday. We'll definitely have an update on that by Thursday when we preview the race and, and get a look at the entry list.
0: Yes. Yes, Uh, you're right. There's only Uh, two races in, and uh, there's only two winners, of course, uh, in those two races that you already mentioned. But uh, there's some other drivers uh, that we should watch out there at Nashville.
1: Most certainly. Mason Diaz and Joey uh, East, the next two in line, the top five, and there's only 15 points separating them. If Taylor Gray is not able to go, he was second in points eight back, uh, that obviously is going to shift that all up a little bit. And the chart I got here doesn't tell me who's in sixth place. I don't know why. I want to say yeah, it sure. is. Um, help me out, Sharon. We had him on early in the year. Uh, Corey I'm Hines? drawing a blank. Give me a uh No. Um,
0: Nick Sanchez. Give me a
1: second. It'll, give me a second.
0: It's not Drew I mean, Dollar.
1: Now it'll come to me. Give me just a second. So I'll skip over that for now, and I, and I apologize for that. It's not uh, Nick per- Sanchez.
0: What? I thought. I think it's Nick Sanchez.
1: No, because he went to uh, die. Um, what's his oh, first Daniel name? Oh,
0: Daniel Die. There we go.
1: Thank you. Yes, I. Uh, again, it is blank, but I think it is Daniel Dye because Nick Sanchez is actually primarily running the main Arkham and Ard series this year. You're right. Um, uh, yeah, that's why I said, and the name was right there, and I, I feel so bad uh, that I couldn't come up with it, but between the two of us, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> he okay. is uh, 6 in points, 19 back, tied with Parker Retzlaff, uh, also 19 back. Eighth, Raja Karuth, another guest we've had on here, a minus 20. Richard Garvey and Carson Cavaple are your top 10. And even as far back as 10th, is only 30 points out here, two races in. And then you got one more driver, Dick Dohaney. And those, the reason I mentioned him in the 11th, they have run both races so far. Everybody else has only made one start. So uh, that's a key point to keep in, uh, in mind as well as we look at who's going to battle for the title is the ones that have made every start so far already.
0: Right, and this race is going to be kind of a big deal for that series. They don't have that many races this season uh, in the Arkham Art Series East. Uh, let me look at the schedule here again. Uh, in the East, well, yeah, they have, let's see, that's four. There's only eight races. So May 14th at Dover is going to be the halfway point for them. So these guys are, are – then they go into the last half of their season. So this is going to be an important race at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway to kind of set people up for the uh, final – the next uh, half of the season for the Arkham and Series E So uh, it's going to be a big deal, I think. It,
1: it is, and I think you hit, there's several key things I take away from what you said there. I know some fans may not follow all the way down as far as the East series but first off, you get to know these drivers before they get to the cup level and are big stars. You're already invested in them. Second off, you talk about the, the short tracks and, and this for a reason, the intensity level there. I, I hated to see them get their schedule cut down to eight races, but that means there's so mm-hmm. much more on the line each race. Those drivers are going to give so much more. They're shorter races. You don't have time to ride it out and figure out your car. They are on the throttle from the get-go. So, I mean, that, that makes that racing in that series that much more intense from that aspect. Not that they're not intense mm-hmm. and racing hard at the cup level. We know they all are. But that, that mm-hmm. intensity level, because they know they got limited time, limited starts, Uh, So, I think that just adds to the the excitement and and competition at that level.
0: It really does. It really does. Now, next we'll talk about the uh, Arkham and Art Series West. They don't race again until June the 5th. Uh, at about uh, five o'clock Eastern time, and that's going to be at Sonoma Raceway. Now, talk about short schedules. They have uh, that's their second race of the season. They raced at Phoenix earlier this year, and they have uh, let's see, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine races. So they just have one more race than the East does. Uh, But this is just the second race of the season for them on June the 5th. So uh, a road course race, you know we're going to see uh, some interesting people uh, in that event. And, uh, again, it's the General Tire 200 on June the 5th, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Sonoma Raceway. And, again, it will be available on track for NBC Gold members. Uh, but if you want to watch it on the delayed broadcast, that's going to be on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, June the ninth at four p.m. Eastern time. Again, check your local listings just to verify the time. Uh, but yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting one too because if we look at the point standings here in the E in the West, uh, these guys only have one race in the books.
1: Well, again, got a couple things to respond there. Uh, first off, shout out to Sal. I know he was, uh, had something else going on tonight, couldn't be here. Hang in there. Your guys' races are coming. <laughs> uh, they're going to be a little <laughs> bit more compact in a shorter time, but yours are coming, so hang in there, Sal. Uh, you're right. Talk about this one, the first race out at Phoenix Raceway. We saw this, a combination event with the Arkham Menards Main Series. So your points leader with the one win is Ty Gibbs. We'll talk a little bit little bit more about him here in a minute, I'm sure. Uh, Corey Heim, another one. Your second-place finisher, se- uh, second in points, minus six. Bad Moffitt, Kyle Sieg. Then we get down to here's where we're looking at who's probably going to be running for the championship. I don't know Derek Krause's status, but he's in fifth at 10 back. Then you get into Jesse Love, uh, sixth place, 11 points back. Drew Dollar, another ARCA series runner. Uh, in the middle there at 13 back and 7th in points. Todd Souza, uh, also 13, nope, yep, 13 back. Trevor Huddleston, and that's your, or I'm sorry, I skipped Taylor Gray. That's where we're going to be, uh, have to see uh, that one he might be back for. And I don't know if he's running east or west. I think he's running east, but mm-hmm. Um, one top 10 there. Trevor Huddleston, and then Paul. Pedro Nicelli Jr. And I think those are the ones plus the next couple in line that we're going to see really competing for the West. But like Sharon mentioned, this road course in June, we might see some other driver's cup, Xfinity (laughs) drivers or that jump in. Road courses normally do draw that kind of attention, so uh, still be a little bit of a mix-up. But there, again, different aspect to it in, in the West Series here, one extra race, yes. but theirs are going to theirs are going to be more compact in a tighter window as far as uh, when they That's get them done. Right. Which I, you know we'll have to see how that adds. Normally they say you know if you're on or on a winning streak or running good, you want to keep racing every week for that momentum or closer together. Uh, so it, it's a different aspect, but there's still some intriguing excitement that could go on there.
0: Okay. Uh, looking at this month, though, and the guests that we have coming up, uh, you'll see that we do have a few of the uh, Arkham and Arch series uh, drivers. Uh, this Thursday, though, we have Lavar Scott. He is from Rev Racing, and he is the driver. Uh, he's racing the Advanced Auto Parts. Uh, weekly touring series, and they're racing at Hickory uh, Motor Speedway this weekend, so uh, definitely looking forward to talking to Lavar Scott out there at Rev Racing. Also, the following Thursday, May the 13th, we have Mason Diaz uh, confirmed. He's going to be on the show uh, on that night. We'll be able to chat with him a little bit, and then on the 20th, Jesse is also confirmed Uh, for May the 20th. So just looking ahead at some of the drivers that we already have confirmed uh, for some of these upcoming races uh, for this month, I think uh, it's kind of an exciting lineup.
1: Especially especially when you look at how we talked about where they're sitting in points. Uh, They could be coming off of wins. Uh, They could be coming off of leading and battling at the top for the championship. And one big shout-out, I know fans, if you if you follow along each and every week, uh, Rev Racing has set it up where uh, I don't even know, uh, Sharon, what the schedule is of, of once or twice a month, but they do a great job, especially on Thursday nights for the preview, of having yeah. somebody available um, to help us with that. Uh, it goes so many ways. It's not just about one driver, one team, or us, but working together with the exposure it gets. And and then making that commitment uh, for a regular spot. I know we've got several that have done that this year, which has been a great step for us. So uh, things working good for everybody involved.
0: Yeah, we've got some really good partners uh, helping us out with the Thursday night uh, guest lineup and uh, and Monday night as well. It's just that from a timing perspective, Mondays are a little bit harder on the drivers uh, to be available for the show. But uh Rub Racing has done a great job. Uh, Chris Knight uh, has always uh, been a good supporter of ours. Uh, Venturini Motorsports, uh, Bill McAnally Racing, all of these guys do a really good job of helping us uh, throughout the season. And uh, you know, when we've got uh, other people that are involved with uh, PR uh, contacts that. uh have been so helpful to us throughout this season so far and uh I'm, I'm hoping we could continue to get that support for the remainder of the year. But Rub Racing set up a schedule early with us, Jay, to uh try to get all of their drivers on the show and, and LaVar Scott I Lavar or yeah, Lavar Scott is the last one from Rub Racing uh that we're gonna have on the show. But then we can kind of start all over again and uh, go through the lineup once again and uh, see if we can't get all of them back here on the show. But we really have to move on now to our uh, uh, Arkham and Art Series race. Uh, Ty Gibbs pretty much dominated at uh, Dutch Boy 150 at Kansas Speedway on Saturday. I believe he led every lap and took the pole and everything you want to take at a race uh he did it all
1: yeah i know we've been talking about a lot about him lately but there is a reason for it you are correct led pole uh to finish. uh coming off of Saturday's uh or, I'm sorry entered into entering into Saturday's Dutch Boy 150 at Kansas Speedway Ty Gibbs was hoping to prove his 27th place finish at Talladega Speedway. The week prior was an anomaly as it relates to his speed in 2021. Couldn't have done more to prove that. The driver of the number 18 Joe Gibbs racing Toyota, and being 18 years old, started that fourth race of the Arkham Menards season on the general tire pole, leading every lap in route to his second victory of the year. And I don't even know if "dominant" is a word you can use there because it was so much more than that.
0: Well, he won the the race at uh, Phoenix uh, as well in the Arkham North series, so uh, that's his second win of the season. So, uh, pretty pretty cool to see that for Ty Gibbs. He, now, Ty has a uh, an affinity for other drivers that have preceded him, and he dedicated his win at uh, Kansas to his childhood hero, the late Anton, uh, Anton, Senna, who won the Formula One World Championship in 90, 1988, 1990, and 91. Senna died at the age of 34 on May 1st, 1994, eight years before Ty Gibbs was born. So uh, he he kind of dedicated Uh, the victory to his childhood hero, and I thought that was really cool to see as well.
1: It was. uh, We've seen that. uh, Everybody makes a mistake, but as a whole, Ty Gibbs is a very class act when it comes to uh, his off-track appearance and and, uh, the way he conducts himself. Uh, If you don't follow him on Twitter, you'll know what I'm talking about. You can follow him along on there. Uh, again, he did have a have a hiccup here or there, and he, he admitted that and, and made a focus on not uh, making that same mistake again. So, uh, always so gracious when it comes to to where he's at already in his career. Now, he mentioned he did win the General Tire Pole Award on Saturday morning uh, with a lap that was almost half a second and three miles per hour quicker than second place qualifier Brett Brett Holmes. Uh, that was a sign that Gibbs would be the class of the field there at Kansas, which he turned into uh, reality. And without, or I'm sorry, excuse me, with the exception of a couple of restarts, when uh, Drew Dollar was able to challenge Gibbs on that inside at the drop of the green and through the first corner, other than that, nobody really was able to run with that 18 machine.
0: Yeah, Dollar actually ended up finishing second uh, after running in that spot for most of the day. Uh, He now has four top ten finishes in the first four ARCA races this season, and with his second place run at Kansas, he's matching his season best finish, which was also at Daytona. Heim from Venturini Motorsports, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Dollars, Venturini Motorsports' teammate, Corey Heim finished in third place Saturday at Kansas. Uh, In in fact, he actually lost a lap during the competition caution at the halfway point, but uh, he was able to uh, recover enough to finish third. Uh, he is the series points leader. He won both the season opener at Daytona and last week's race at Talladega. Uh, but what helped him get back on track was he got that free pass during a caution with just a little more than 30 laps to go. Heim then pushed his way through the field uh, in order to salvage that third-place finish. So kudos to him. It was Jack Wood and Derek well, Griffith who finished fourth and fifth at Kansas as well.
1: Before I get to the next five there, uh, to round out the top ten, I, I want to say that about Corey Hyman and that Venturini Motorsports team. That's where you talk about championship teams being made, of, of overcoming the adversity, just as Ty Gibbs has now with that Talladega finish yeah. coming back and winning as well. So I th- you know why they're the two at the top of the list when it comes to that. Uh, the rest of them here, rounding out the top ten, sixth place was Stad Moffitt. Greg Van Alst, a regular we have here on Fan for Racing, Vlog and Radio, uh, seventh, Kyle Sieg, Nick Sanchez, and then Alex Club rounded out the top ten. Now with his win, Gibbs did climb back to third in the Arkham and Ard Series point standings after dropping to fourth post Talladega. He trails Heim by 23 points. Dollar remains second in points, 13 behind Heim and 10 ahead of Gibbs. And Holmes, who joined Gibbs on the front row uh, to start Saturday's race, had high hopes for the afternoon, having won at Kansas last summer. But he got loose and crashed on lap number one. Uh, I hate we had to cover that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was disappointing because I know Holmes uh, wants to to do well this season after having won that championship. But I have confidence that uh, we will see – Uh, some better finishes from him moving forward. Uh, As the defending and Art Series champion, he was scheduled to compete Saturday night also in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series at Kansas. Uh, So uh, I don't don't think he had a good night in the truck series either. Uh, So Kansas uh, is something that I'm sure Holmes wants to put in the rearview mirror and look ahead to that next race for this group.
1: Yeah, great the uh,
0: the for them. I'm sorry.
1: Go ahead. The, no, go the ahead. next
0: race, they're going to get that three-week break before they return back to action May the 22nd at Toledo Speedway, uh, which is actually the series home track. So the Earth's Potato Ships. 200 will mark the first race also of the 2021 Sioux Showdown. It's scheduled to start at 8 p.m. Eastern and will broadcast live on Math TV Motorsports Network. So uh, that's going to be one to watch for sure. Uh, you're going to see a lot of new names in that group as well because uh, some of these drivers will have a chance to go after the 10-race Sioux Chief Showdown championship within the Arkham and Arts Series schedule. So uh it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a big race out at Toledo.
1: I know that's one of those we keep talking about. Gotta wait for it, but definitely something to be excited about uh as they kick off that that uh twenty twenty one Sioux Chief Showdown. Uh some of the names that we'll maybe see in those that we don't get to see on a regular basis. The crossing of the series uh, of more coming together for for those ten races than we've seen in in other events, I think is going to be huge. Uh, I know I, we really liked and shared all about that here on Fan for Racing, of what opportunities that brings about for these drivers.
0: Yes, indeed, uh, and and uh, you know I think it's cool. There's actually four championships that can be won uh within the uh, Arkham and Art series as a whole. If you count the, the Arkham and Art series, the Arca East, the Arca West, that's three. And then there's also the Su Chief Showdown. So uh it, it's a fun series to follow. And uh Toledo Speedway, the home track of the Arkham and Art series is hosting that first chief Showdown event. Uh and that will be um Coming up on May the twenty second. All right. With that, Jay, uh, we're coming up to the top of the hour. Was there anything more you wanted to say about the Arkham and I well, series before we move on? I know.
1: I know we talked about. I know we talked about the top three in points there. Corey Heim with two wins, leading Drew Dollar in between by minus thirteen. Then Ty Gibbs with two wins at minus twenty three. Again, a bad hiccup there at Talladega, but running down of the last couple in points here before we move on. Fourth place, Kyle Sieg, four top 10s already on the season, is 28 back. Thad Moffitt, uh, three top 10s with one top five is 38 back. And sixth through 10th in points, Jack Wood, Nick Sanchez, Brett Holmes, Tony Bredinger, another one we've had on the show here, and B. L. Wilson. And of those, they all got four starts with the exception of Brett Holmes. So there again, those are your ones that have run every race. Uh, so are going to be the ones that are, are in contention at, no matter what. Uh, some of them got to pick up their finishes to hang with Corey Heim, Drew Dollar, and Ty Gibbs. But they're they're making all the races, which is a start.
0: Right. I don't think we've had Tony Breidinger on yet. But, uh, you know, I will try to work on that. But, uh, you know, uh, we've got quite a few of these guys on. Okay. Let's go ahead and move on to the truck series race. Uh, that took place on Saturday, uh, May the 1st, and it was 134 laps. uh, And Kyle Busch, what a weekend it was for Joe Gibbs Racing and Kyle Busch Motorsports. Uh, Kyle Busch grabbed his 61st win at Kansas Speedway. Statistically speaking, uh, Busch had a perfect night at Kansas Speedway on Saturday, uh, it says Friday, but it was Saturday. He swept, bo- he swept. both stage victories in the Life Power 200 in the Camping World Truck Series race, leading the most laps and earning his series record 61st trophies. Uh, so that's uh, pretty cool. And it was done in overtime. Uh, despite having some complaints on the handling of the truck, Bush came out on top of a three wide move for the lead to win his second race of the season and 61st of his career. He did lead 59 laps and swept the opening stages. Ross Castain took the lead from Bush during the previous restart, but was unable to hold him off for the final and most important one. He finished second, followed by Austin Hill, who overcame early issues and nearly pulled off a surprise win but he had to settle for third in the end. Uh, in fourth place, it was Christian Eckes, John Hunter Nemechek, Todd Gilliland, Zane Smith, Raphael Assad, Johnny Sauter, and Ben Rhodes round out the top ten. Uh, the points leader, uh, John Hunter Nemechek, started from the poll. He did lead 16 laps before finishing fifth. There were 14 lead changes among seven drivers, and five cautions for 25 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 119.582. And uh, uh, this was, uh, we mentioned earlier that this was Bush's second victory of the season, the fourth top 10 finish of this season uh, in the truck series. So for so the third victory and fifth top 10 finish in six races at Kansas Speedway. Uh Ross Chassane posted his second top ten finish in five races at Kansas and his second top ten finish this year. Austin Hill in third posting his fifth top ten finish in six races at Kansas Speedway. Then it was Chandler Smith in eleventh place who was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Now Toyota has won the first seven races of the season and Calebush Motorsports has won five straight races in the Camping World Truck Series so far this season. So just amazing uh, what's going on in that series.
1: Well, we, sw- we switched series, but there's still some ties. Toyota, Joe Gibbs Racing uh, affiliation at least, uh, but Toyota being the strongest there. And as the broadcasters on TV like to say, there's a lot to unpack, unpack there. Uh, talk about Kyle Busch. Statistically, it looked like he dominated that race. If you watched it, it was actually kind of amazing because he had a long run truck. And on those restarts, on one of them, I think he went from first back to fifth or sixth. So to see him come out with it at the very end on a restart was at, just leads to, to, like him or not, he's got so much talent. And what he has built especially this year when we're looking at it with Kyle Busch Motorsports, the pieces he filled in and put together to keep that team going. Uh, Would you say a record five straight for his team? Uh, mm-hmm. And it used to be that if he was in the, if he was in the race, he was the winner. Uh, not so, as John Hunter Niemicek, you mentioned, <laughs> has beat him twice. Uh, another KBM truck, but uh, he can be beat. It didn't happen this weekend, but a couple of them you mentioned there certainly gave it their best shot. Ross Chastain making uh, kind of an unscheduled uh, late notice start for Nice Motorsports. Uh, I think maybe we'll get to that in hot topics, the fact that they are able to return back to the top um, with Ross Chastain in the truck. Uh, You mentioned Austin Hill uh, trying to climb back into this championship battle. Then you got Christian Echies, uh rookie. I'm sorry, he's not a rookie, but full time for. I'm sorry, that's not. Uh, he's not with Kyle bushman no more. That's Zane Smith back in. Uh, no, yeah, he's with Chandler. Chandler Smith. Huh? Chandler Smith. I'm sorry. He had, I'm sorry. You're right. Chandler yeah. Smith uh, is a rookie, and yeah, I, I didn't realize that he got shuffled that far back. He was running up there, started in fifth, but he ended up 11th. Uh, I I had him on my mind there when we were talking about Cobush Motorsports. Um, But fourth was Christian Eckes in the 98, running a partial schedule there. And then John Hunter Nemechek. There again, one of those, if you didn't watch the race, you missed so much. Just looking at final results or even statistics, John Hunter Nemechek, late in the race, opted to give up, I believe it was third place, to come in the pits and get tires to come back he only got back up to fifth, but they knew it. They said Kyle Bush is better than us. We gotta do something different to get back to him and they they came close.
0: Yes indeed. Another driver that had a really good race and I'm sorry if you already said this, I didn't catch it. Uh Bailey Curry. What a great race he had throughout the night as well. And Haley Deegan actually showed uh some pretty good uh racing this weekend.
1: They did uh, getting down in there, yeah, uh, 12th and 13th. They had been running in the top 10. Again, the final couple of restarts, there was some shuffling. Uh, another one from Nice Motorsports and Bailey Curry uh, stepping into that one. I know we've been looking for Haley Deegan, or at least some of us have to, to finally show. As we get around to the second half of the season, I think we're going to see more and more of that from Haley Deegan in that uh, number yeah. 20. Or I'm sorry, I would agree with
0: you. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and cover the uh, driver points. All
1: right, when we switch over to points, uh, we've been talking about him—the regular John Hunter Nemechek, two race wins, uh, sixteen playoff points built up. Ben Rhodes got the two wins early to start the season. Kind of falling off a little bit, but we saw him back in contention. This week uh, still has the two wins to fall back on and 10 playoff points. When we're talking about playoff points, we're pretty much done talking there, uh, except for a couple scattered here and there. Uh, So third on back is strictly just about finishing positions and building up the points. Austin Hill now up to third is 78 points back of the points lead. Sheldon Creed, your defending champion, another one that's kind of had an up and down season, But still, right there, 83 points back in fourth spot. Fifth is Stuart Friesen, another one that rough finish there to a good run he had going, minus 105. But we see the momentum building in an upward direction, which I really, really like.
0: Yeah, that's a a really good group of uh, drivers and. only two drivers in the Camping World Truck Series have victories this year, and that's because it, Kyle Busch has two wins. He's not running for points in the truck series. Martin Truex has the other one. So, uh, you know, the four plus the three, that's the seven races that have taken place so far this season. So uh, its uh, I think there's one more race for Kyle Busch and then he's got his five races in in the Camping World Truck Series this year. But uh, these guys, it it might be a little bit different with these guys than some of the other series that we're talking about, Jay, because in the other series we're saying they might take up all of the winners um, and uh, take up all the playoff spots with wins. In this series, it's going to be points that are going to make a difference.
1: It most certainly is, but as, we, as we've as we seen, got a couple that are starting to mix it up for those wins. Austin Hill uh, being one of them. We know Sheldon Creed, uh, they might be a little off right now, but they're going to get it straightened out. Uh, Matt Crafton, six in points. Zane Smith, we've seen have some good runs. Todd Gillen, still right on that edge. Ninth in points, uh, we still got to talk about him. Grant Enfinger. uh didn't uh actually he must have been in the... yeah he was in the 98 uh no mm-hmm. what
0: truck did he, he run was this weekend? he the was nine. in the there nine the nine there we go i
1: knew he had gotten there we go um i really think down the road he is going to apply for that waiver uh he still has only missed the one start that christian ecke's has started in that uh 98 truck so i think if he stays in top and points and especially if he gets a win that we're going to have that conversation We've been talking about what may happen. Uh, I think we're going to talk about what is going to happen or did happen as he tries to get a waiver from NASCAR. Uh, Then 10th in points, another one turning the season around. Johnny Sauter now up into 10th in points. He is still 151 points back. However, he has been outside the cut line uh, for most of the season, now worked his way to the positive side. And that positive side, 10th at 169, Carson Horsecour, we've got two rookies, Chandler Smith and Carson Horsecour, are 11th and 12th. They're at 155 and 153 points. So Solder is 15, 16 points to the good of the cut line right now. Raphael Lasard, Austin Wayne Self, and Tanner Gray are the three that are just under, but they're right there, 150, 150, and then Tanner Gray back at 119. A little bit of a gap, but as the season goes, as we say, these drivers get pointed in the right direction. They're going to have a little bit of a hill, and it might take that win, but we know that can happen. and You win, and you get right back up into the top 12. That pushes somebody else out.
0: Absolutely, and and actually, Lafayette Lessard and Austin Wayne himself are tied at that 150. That's just three points behind Carson Josevar and uh, five points behind Chandler Smith in the 11. Uh, those guys are going to be jockeying <laughs> for position and trying to do everything they can to get into that top 10. So uh, those guys are are uh, certainly some of the drivers to watch to see what they're able to do for the rest of the season to get themselves in a better position uh, to be up in that top 10. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, to keep an eye on, and uh, a lot of fun for everybody to watch.
1: Well, and I mentioned uh, after reading those first two, there weren't a whole lot of others to talk about as far as stage wins or playoff points. Grant Infinger, being one of them, uh, picked up a stage win, I believe already in Daytona was where he picked that up, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And Raphael Lassard, the other one, two stage wins for two playoff points. As we get through the season and into the playoffs, if they're able to get into the playoffs, that's going to make up a huge difference. As again, the top two have kind of hogged them all at 16 and 10. And another one to look at, we talk about why they haven't gotten it. We've seen some of the cup regulars or other series uh, get in the wins with Kyle Busch and uh, Martin Truex. Kyle Busch obviously is going to hit his max. Uh, I don't know if he has yet. I believe in the truck series, it's five starts. But then you also have the triple truck challenge where uh mm-hmm. i think those races are limited to drivers not from other series if i'm not mistaken is that not correct
0: limited to the drivers that are running for points
1: there you go so that'll sort the sort itself and actually, out actually it's an owner's
0: thing too i think no i might have confused with a different
1: one yep no that that also factors in but Those races, as well as then as we get into the playoffs, uh, that'll sort that out. Uh, So as we see it right now, it may seem like there's only two drivers. That's going to sort itself out. Uh, Like I said, I think Kyle Busch is coming up on, because it doesn't list him under the points because he's not a series regular, of approaching his uh, maximum of five starts uh, already.
0: Yeah, in fact, John Hunter Nemechek earned $50,000 with his top time by finish, uh, the road crew bonus for leading the truck series points after Kansas. So uh, that's, uh, that's pretty cool to see happening as well.
1: Another one of those, we're seeing sponsors do things like this, Where about the team, about the crew. In this case, it was a... Uh... Awarded to the crew itself uh, for the truck series, for ones that go to truck series regular, any series regular, whether we be talking about Xfinity or, or trucks, that drivers that are all running those series full time. Uh, I know we've had that discussion in the past when when Cup guys come in, but there's still bonuses like that that are going to these teams that are dedicated to the truck series, you know, for the year anyway. And to see sponsors putting focus on that, really like that.
0: Yeah, that, that is really, really cool. Um, now, uh, they are actually going to be racing at Darlington Raceway this weekend. They're going back to the Mother's Day weekend at Darlington. It uh, used to be a favorite, one of the favorites on the track. Uh, I used to like it when the, all the mothers of some of the drivers would go out and do the command to start the engines. Uh, So I'm kind of hoping they do this this weekend. Uh, That race uh, is going to be Friday, May the 7th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, They'll be racing 147 laps, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1. We'll do a much more in-depth preview of that race coming up on Thursday night. But uh, yeah, this this is going to be a fun one. It always is at Darlington. There's a reason they call it the Lady in Black.
1: That's right. The truck too tough too tough to tame, uh, and the Darlington stripe might apply more to the truck series, I think, than any of the other series. And I know that's saying a lot, but the uh, the trucks have a tendency to do a lot of wall scrubbing there.
0: Yes, they do. <laughs> Uh, and you'll see it, the, the Darlington. Uh, what do they call it? The Darlington, uh, where you the see Darlington the wheel stripe, Sorry, the Darlington stripe on the wall. But then there's always the wheel. Uh, you can actually see uh, that on the car as well, I guess. Okay. Oh yeah,
1: because well, they say, they make mention that you can't see Goodyear on the tire anymore. They'll so scuff it off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Exactly. Okay, and they're they're actually running, I think, a retro Goodyear tire in the Cup series, so or in all three series. So that's gonna be fun to see this week as well. Okay. Um so if you wanna see the entry list Uh, for this race, uh, it is up over at j if you want to check that out. Uh, Also, because it's a throwback weekend, all the throwback schemes are available at j as well. And uh, I'd really encourage everybody to go take a look at those because that's always one of the fun things about the Darlington throwback weekend are all the different paint schemes that the drivers come to the track with and the people that they're honoring. Uh, during those races. It's always fun to see, too.
1: It is, and I know we talked about that uh, in the the past couple of weeks as we get ready for it coming up this weekend. For a radio show, we can talk about it and we can tell you, but to see the schemes, especially when I, lo- I love it when they have the old car and the new one and how they, they pair it up to make it look the same, even if it is a different sponsor, we just can't cover. I mean, I... I I can use all the best words in the world to describe it, but to be able to see it and how amazing some of these do. And now, like you mentioned, we can talk about some of the drivers, and I'm sure we will come Thursday in our preview show, uh, that they are honoring and why they are honoring said drivers of the throwback scheme. But to visually see it is just amazing.
0: Yes, yes, it really is. And if it's not already on your bucket list, uh, you want to put it on your bucket list to get out to weight, Raceway uh, for the throwback weekend that they put on, because uh, it really is, they make it a fun weekend, uh, and it's uh, really uh, kind of awe-inspiring in a lot of ways. Uh, well, Dave, I, I would,
1: before... say, would say that... Okay. Go ahead. I was going to say, if Darlington isn't on your bucket list, I don't know if you can apply for being a NASCAR fan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. It's considered one of the crown jewels of the sport. Okay, um, we've got a few minutes here. I don't want to get into all of uh, our fan for racing uh, fantasy group uh, points, but let's do the truck series while we're winding up that.
1: All right. Uh, it's coincidental that Sharon is leading the truck series points.
0: Oh, I'm uh, not I sure about that. This but... week. Jay, where were, your, we're getting spotty reception here. Okay, I'm not sure what happened to Jay there. Jay, can you try it again? Okay, Jay has to uh, call back in. Uh, So when he calls back in, we'll get that update from him uh, for the uh, truck series here and the FAMF Racing Fantasy Group. Jay uh, does a really good job of keeping track of that every single week for us and knowing uh, whose turn it is to pick and keeping track of everybody's picks uh, throughout the week. So, Jay, do you have that info for us?
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, as I was saying, there uh, in the truck series, you got the thirty-four points. You did lose a little bit of ground, and it's gotten tighter behind it. Andy and Sam are now at twenty-six points, so only eight points behind you. Jay and uh, that's me and Mike. Uh, we're two more <laughs> points back from that, at twenty-four points. So you did lose a little bit of ground, and and it's tightened up. But that, I believe, like I said, I'll look at the others when we get to them uh the biggest points lead of any of them and that's only 8 points which is one race
0: <laughs> unbelievable okay uh i i thought i was going to lose the lead this week but uh i'm glad i was able to maintain it okay um let's go ahead and move on now then to the extremity series again they did not race this weekend uh their next race will be at Darlington Uh, that's coming up this coming weekend, Uh, but we can go over uh, the series point standings from the last race, the AgPro 300 out of Talladega Super Speedway. And I know some of this seems like it's a little bit of a repetition for us, uh, but it is a way of, uh, if you did miss one show you can catch it up on the next show and I know we weren't on Thursday night we had some unexpected things come up and we weren't able to do the show on Thursday night Uh, but uh, this is this is a fun one too what after Talladega uh, what's going on in the uh, Xfinity series Jerry with the points
1: all right oh shoot there it is okay didn't think I had closed it Uh, Here it's Andy that has the 38 points and has the lead, and my statement is correct. You have the biggest lead of eight points. His is seven points. James second. James is second at 31 points, and then right there you got Mike and Owen at 30 points tied. So your top four eight points apart. James in between there, and then uh, Owen and uh, I'm sorry Sam is next at 26. Uh, So again. And as I was looking at it and filling these in on on our chart on fan for racing, it the design of how we did the points is working real good. You win the uh, win a week, you got to pick last the next week, and I don't want to point this out to Sharon, but she wanted uh Talladega, she had to pick last and got zero points at uh Kansas, <laughs> but that's what's keeping these points as even. The ones in the middle are kind of mm-hmm. staying in the middle, the top and the bottom, so you're only gaining one or two points and and with eight players this year the way it's come out every one of these uh so far has been super tight and i already peeked ahead we'll get to the cup one but yeah the exciting ones coming
0: <laughs> well my guy was running right up there i thought he was going <laughs>
1: to
0: you know contend for the win and then at the very last he, something happened and he fell back uh and i lost all points I was like, I really need those points in the extended series too. Uh, but uh, I thought it was still a good pick.
1: It was, uh, and I know we talked about this year. Of we haven't been picking the winner as much uh, per se on the year, but uh, having the good the finishes and just the the back and forth. Uh, when I was scrolling through it and comparing week to week. Like I said, the, the winner may end up with eight, the max of eight points and zero the next week. Uh, just a quick uh, kind of fill it in there. Uh, Sharon, over two weeks you had the eight from the win and then a zero this week. Uh, a couple of us, I think, had nine points and then a couple had seven. So you don't get that win. But you, overall for, you know, the week to week, you're still coming out with those same number of points, and that's why it is so tight. And I, I really liked it this year. Not that I didn't enjoy it the first year. I think we only had three of us, me, you, and Andy. Uh, and I was on top. I won it, and I got to brag about that, but, yeah, it was kind of a blowout. Uh, it really was. With with eight picks like that, it just that range and, and the ability of that shift from week to week adds much more to it.
0: Mm-hmm. It really does. Okay, let's go ahead and cover where the points are uh, right now after Talladega but before Darlington for the Xfinity Series.
1: All right, well, the top there is pretty much going to be the same. It is still Austin Sendrick, uh has two wins, four stage wins, a total of 14 playoff points. Uh, second place, no wins, but more really, really consistent, Daniel Hemrick, 59 points back of the lead, but he's got three stage wins for three points. Third place, kind of the same boat, Harrison Burton's 92 back. He doesn't have any stage wins, however. Fourth place, that's Jeb Burton now, and he picked up the win, so has five playoff points in his bucket. Justin Haley is fifth. College racing here, again, kind of bonding together. Justin Haley and A.J. Almondinger are fifth and sixth. They're at 98 and 110 points back. But receiving time, Almendinger will get the nod as he's got the one win plus a stage win for six playoff points. Uh, scrolling down, seventh there we find Myatt Schneider, another one has a win and five playoff points Is 128 back in seventh but he'll scoot up the chart when we go to the playoffs, Jeremy Clements has 221 points uh, has 146 back no stage points or anything yet, then you got Justin Algar, he's got a, uh, a win, so five playoff points, tenth is Noah Gregson uh, he, he doesn't have the win yet, but he's got two stage wins for two playoff points and is now right at the cut line. Brandon Jones, uh, one playoff built up. He is 17, 18, 19 points behind Noah Gregson at the cut line. I'm sorry, take that back. Brandon Jones and Brandon Brown are 11th and 12th. The Xfinity Series is 12th for the playoffs, so these are the two that are on the very good, or top side of the cut line. Uh, Brandon at Jones least at 198. for now. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. Your yeah, place. you're right for now. <laughs> That's right. Uh, somebody down the line gets a win. Uh, Brandon, Brandon Jones is at 198. Brandon Brown at 191. So that is the cut line, 191. Riley Herbst is at 176, 15 points back. Uh, Michael Annette, another one at 175. And then you get down to Tommy John Martins at 140 and Josh Williams at 135. That may seem like a big points gap, but the win rockets you right up into that, as Sharon just said. That'll put you above the cut line, and the two I was talking about, Brandon Jones and Brandon Brown, are going to be the ones looking for that win.
0: For example, Josh Berry, who sits in 20th place right now, does have a win in seven races and uh, if he's able to get sponsorship for the full year, I could see him getting a waiver <laughs> and getting into that top 12.
1: And that's another one. As we talked about Grant Anfinger in the truck series, we're going to have to see how that shakes out. Uh, as you mentioned right now, he has only missed one race and does have a win uh, in the truck series. Excuse me. Grant, Infinger doesn't have the win, so they might have an even stronger case, as you said, to request that waiver. Uh, Ty Gibbs, another one, but well, he's only run three races, so I don't know if his would be as prevalent. But Josh Berry, you're right. Uh, at seven races, only having missed one and having the win uh, might even be that stronger case.
0: Mhm. And and he so that, that cut line isn't quite as firm as it appears. Uh, just looking at the top twelve drivers, uh, there is that possibility that at least one of those drivers could be displaced uh, by Josh Berry.
1: And that's one of those you got to give it to NASCAR when they came. I, I remember thinking already back when they had the uh, chase for the championship, and I think I started with ten. They started with ten drivers at that time. I was one that when they came with that and they announced that, I was like, "What is this? You know, a playoff system in racing and how does it work?" You know, I look back on it now. I'm like, "Why well, wasn't I on board with that from the get-go?" Because uh, it has it turned out to be just an amazing thing for the series.
0: Yes, indeed. Um, so, we'll, like you say, we'll see how it plays out for the rest of this season and uh, how that works out for all of these drivers. Uh, But there's some drivers, I think, that are a little bit further back here uh, that could come up with a win. Ryan Sieg certainly uh, has had some good uh, races. Riley Earps, I think, the second half of the season, he's going to have some really good runs, uh, at least I hope so, in that number 98. Michael Lynette is certainly capable of winning, uh, so you've got to really uh, uh, figure that uh, somebody's going to get displaced somewhere at some point with uh, some of these drivers that are kind of in the back now, uh, but a win can make all the difference in the world. So we'll see what happens there. Um, the Xfinity Series, the, the next race for the Xfinity Series, again, is at Cal- I mean, Darlington. Uh, All three series are racing this weekend at Darlington. Uh, They're racing Saturday, May the 8th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. It will be 147 laps, and it will be televised on Fox Sports 1. And, again, we'll go into much more in-depth of the Xfinity series uh, when that comes up uh, on Thursday night's uh, preview show.
1: One more thing, going back to the points, as you were talking about drivers there that uh, could possibly get the win or move in there. Uh, a couple of these teams talk about, again, getting their feet wet and settled the first half of the season, how they do in the second half of the season, and what the points gap is they got to make up if they don't get the win. Uh, Kyle Weatherman in the number 47 at 100 points. Again, it looks like 91 points he'd have to make up. Um Regular guests we have Joe Graf Jr. is another one. His finishes. Uh, we've seen him have some good runs and races and just not get the finish. But there was one I wanted to highlight. If you're looking at looking at the point standings, you see a lot of drivers with only four, one listed with eight stars, but the points don't correlate is Brett Moffitt. We talked about this uh, I think it was last Monday's show. He has now switched points. They have been running so well in that zero two zero two 2 R Motorsports vehicle that he has changed to declare for Xfinity Series points. But that didn't yes. start until this weekend. So he's got eight starts but only 23 points because he had to start over from ground zero when he declared for points. Now, if he gets a win and... I believe in the Xfinity Series, it is in the top 25 in points. So he's got a gap. He's listed as 40, let's see, 45th uh, with eight races. Yeah, but only only one race of those counts for points, the 23 points. So he's got to make mm-hmm. up 20, 20 spots. Uh, again, and jumping over some of these drivers, not going to be an easy task. But a win obviously helps it, and once he gets into tw- the top 25, if he does, that win makes him eligible for the playoffs, and not only that, it bumps him into the top 12, like you mentioned.
0: Yes, indeed. Another one was uh, Joey Gase, but I don't see him on this list yet uh, because I don't think he's raced yet since Talladega. So he'll pop up on this list as well uh, once they get to Darlington.
1: <clears throat> yeah, you're, you're correct. That was one. There were two because I remember that. I had only seen Joey Gase's announcement, not uh, not Brett Moffitt's. Um But we have seen that number 02 top five finishes. Let me see if it shows on here. No, this one doesn't break down their top five and top ten finishes. Brett Moffitt was running that full time, just not for points, and they had been doing so well with their top fives top tens and contending for the uh, top spots because he does already have uh, one stage win uh, for one playoff point. But, again, I take that back. He had the stage win, but it was before he declared for points, so he doesn't get that playoff point because it doesn't count yet. So if they continue to mm-hmm. run where they have been and get those finishes, uh, I know we talk about back to 2015 when Kyle Bush did it, I think that's going to be something to really keep your eye on and watch as he works his way up, because I think he's got a real shot at it.
0: Yeah, I do, too. I agree with that. I think he's got a shot at it as well. Um, and, you know, these guys, uh, George Bates might be looking at uh, running full time. Uh, I don't know that that's true. I'm speculating here and just putting it out on the table as a possibility of running full time in the uh Xfinity series for next season, which I think would be pretty cool.
1: You know, when, when you mentioned that and you brought that up, because I was kind of uh, unfortunately had a negative mindset when we talked about that because it came up during Hot Topics, um, but I think you have a point. I think he might be setting himself up to build those owner points for next year if that is the intent and that, that's a good uh, plan, and if that's the case, he's doing it the right way, setting himself up this year for next year.
0: Mhm. Exactly right. So, uh, we've seen other drivers do it and do well and uh I'm I'm kind of anxious to see how Joey Base does in the Xfinity series this year. And you're right, this is a perfect plan uh to really set yourself up for full time next season. Uh and uh I think I think uh you know, I, that's what makes me think it's certainly a possibility. And how he runs this season, uh, I'm sure, will make a difference as to whether or not that actually happens as well.
1: Hey, that's true. You're right. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Again, nothing was made with the announcement other than he had made the switch two points. So we don't know for sure the reasoning behind it. Uh, we just know that it was made official and, and that he was going to run for points now to finish out the year.
0: Exactly. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and give the uh, points now for the Cup Series, since we have a couple of extra minutes here for the fan creation group.
1: All right. And now overall. this is one. Sherman, where, uh, yeah, this is this is one you mentioned. You definitely lost points as you ended up with no points. So you still have sixty. I am second at okay. fifty-eight. Uh, Mike and Owen, Owen picking up the win, moved uh, right up the board. They're tied at 53, so they're only seven points back. And then Sam is right there as well with 49 points. So there you're talking wow. 11 points amongst five, and the gap between me and you is only two. And I feel your pain. If you remember, I Remember, I was leading the points, and I took Joey Logano at Talladega, and that's what cost me the points lead. <laughs>
0: Well, and Blaney cost me the points. Well, he didn't cost me the points lead yet, but uh, he didn't give me any points this week, which uh, really kind of made that a lot tighter than what it was.
1: When I look at the uh, the overall, there again, Sharon, you are still leading 117 points, uh, but we got several over the 100 points now. Uh, Mike is at 107 yeah, He's next, okay. I'm at 103, Owen is at 102, and Sam is at 101. So there, all three series overall points for the year so far, we're talking 16-point difference between the top five.
0: Wow. So it's getting close. It's getting exciting. <laughs> we'll have to see how it continues to play out. And uh, I know everybody will get their picks in for Darlington. Unfortunately, I won't be able to watch uh, most of the races this weekend, but uh, that's okay. I'll be able to check out those replays and highlight reels and uh, see what happens. Uh, But I can't wait to see how the picks uh, play out. I should be able to get some pretty good picks considering uh, things didn't work out too well for me this weekend.
1: Well, and like I said, that, that has actually played in really well. I noticed that uh, yours just was the first one that come to mind. Oh, Sam was the other one because he had, uh, in the truck series, he had uh, finished last the week before, got first pick, took Kyle Bush. So there, too, he had eight points uh, over the past two weeks. Andy had five. James had nine. I had nine. Mike had the win at Richmond, got the zero at Kansas. So he had eight, Owen seven, Sharon seven, and Tommy five. So you look at that, I mean, even a eight-point difference one week, the next week it kind of plays itself out, and we're keeping even all the way through. <laughs>
0: exactly. Oh, it's really amazing how that all plays out. But uh, it's a lot of fun to do, and, uh, Jay, we appreciate everything that you do uh, to kind of keep us on track uh, for our fantasy racing group because uh, we're doing it just for fun. And, uh, for bragging rights each week and, uh, all the years that we've done this, I've never been able to really do much bragging. So, uh, I've got to try to enjoy it while I can here.
1: Well, I think everybody's had their moment at the top. Uh, I know last year, James come out of nowhere. Uh, and he, he, I think he had missed a couple of races, but came back in and got in it in the truck series. Once we hit the playoffs, we're going to do double points. That's our playoff bonus. So. Nobody Mm -hmm. is out of it yet by any means.
0: No way. Well, last year it seems like I was making good picks, but that they were just having bad days on the days (laughs) that I picked them. This year I've gotten lucky with a few of my picks. I've even changed my pick a couple of times to my benefit uh, for whatever reason, uh, and uh, that's kind of worked out for me. So. You
1: know, knock on wood. Well, just I was going to say, on, on that one, just to get a jab in there because you gave up Christopher Bell and Mike wanted him, so he switched and he gave up Stenhouse and Stenhouse finished second. Bell was last, so just to get a jab in there at Mike before he gets here tonight. Well, <laughs> I think
0: the guy that I switched to actually won that race.
1: You, yeah, you did, you did. You made You made a good move because you moved off of Christopher Bell in that case. Who again had good having good runs? Everybody wanted him, but that was his one bad week. <laughs>
0: exactly. So I have to go with my gut instinct, I guess. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the uh, uh, Cup Series. Uh, the Bus- <laughs> what a weekend it was for Kyle Busch, uh, Motorsports as well as uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, The race was even called, it it really was uh, Bush Beer that was the sponsor, but uh, Kyle Busch kind of played right into it. The Bushy McBush Race 400 (laughs) was the name of the race on Sunday, May the 2nd, at Kansas Speedway, uh, and uh, that was on FS1. And not only that, they made mention on the show that Kyle Busch has never lost a race on his birthday. Well, that remains true because it was his birthday on Sunday, and he won the race at Kansas. So, uh, <laughs> But he had the name of the race going in his favor. It was his 36th birthday, and you have to figure that uh, there's something in the air that uh, is going to mean Kyle Busch. And I don't think any of us picked him.
1: No, nobody nobody had Kyle this weekend as, as the race winner, no.
0: Yeah, the number 18, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, took the lead on a restart with two laps left in the race and held off the field by just .336 seconds uh, last Sunday at Kansas Speedway. It gave him his first NASCAR Cup Series win this year and 58th of his career. And uh, for his crew chief uh, this year, new crew chief this year, Ben Beshore, it was his first career win. So that was really cool to see. Um, uh, It was uh, his second win at Kansas and 58th career win in the Cup Series. Kevin Harvick in the number four finished second. Uh, He was followed by the pole sitter, who was Kozlowski, in third. Matt DeBenedo finished fourth, Chase Elliott in fifth, followed by Martin Truex Jr., Tyler Reddick, Chris Pusher, William Byron, and Austin Dillon. So Bush won for the second time on his birthday. His first win on his birthday was at Richmond in May of 2009. He joined, he joined driver Cale Yarborough as the only cup driver to have won more than once on their birthday. He took the lead again on that restart and uh, was able to maintain it through a late caution. Kyle Larson, who dominated most of the race, led 132 laps, but lost the lead late and then made contact with Ryan Blaney, my pick this week, (laughs) on that final restart and fell back to 19th place. Well, Ryan Blaney was back there with him, which is why I got no points uh this weekend. Stage one was run by Kyle Busch. Stage two was run by Kyle Larson. There were 18 lead changes among just six drivers, seven cautions for 36 yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race was 129.647 miles per hour. Kyle Busch... Um, <clears throat> got his 58th victory in 581 Cup Series races, Uh, his first victory in six top ten of this year, his second victory in 13th top ten finish in 27 races at Kansas. Kevin Harvick in second place posting his 18th top ten finish in 31 races at Kansas Speedway. It was also his 8th ten finish in 2021. By the way, Kevin Harvick was another driver I strongly considered. I almost picked Kevin Harvick this week. Brad Keselowski finished third, posting his 13th top-10 finish in 23 races at Kansas. Chase Briscoe, who finished in 20th place, was the highest finishing rookie. And Kyle Busch, uh, like we said, uh, joins the Hall of Famer Cale Yarborough as the only driver to win twice on their birthday. Uh, Cal Yarborough won at Atlanta in March of 88, and was Wilkesboro on his birthday in March of 77. Um, Let's see. Any thoughts there about uh, those drivers? We can go over. After we give our thoughts on those drivers, we'll go over the rest of the top ten there.
1: Well, yeah, there are a lot of thoughts here on the on the top five. You got to start at the top, Kyle Busch, uh, and I'll put Kevin Harvick right there with them. Um, not picked by us a, a, as analysts because they haven't exactly been having what you would call Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick seasons. Uh, start with Kyle Busch. This race is a great indication, especially being on a mile and a half track, which we know is a, essentially mm-hmm. the heart of. Not necessarily the season But for sure the playoffs uh, this year Uh, We've seen him competitive And in this race too He wasn't up front dominating or leading He led four times for 20 laps Uh, Harvick was 72 laps led And then you mentioned Kyle Larson and uh, I don't know if we'll get to him He's down in 19th But uh, that was the (laughs) dominator of the race If you will But Kyle Busch was up front running and contending In the top five Where we expect him to be uh, and in position mm-hmm. to make these wins. So uh, I view that as a as a good sign. And the, the same goes for Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick. Uh, he didn't lead any laps, and we have seen that throughout the year. He's been in the top ten. However, he won nine times last year, and he hasn't won yet in 11 races so far this year. That's why we're looking at him as having that off season. But he is still there. He's just not living up to that name of the closer. We haven't seen him close these yet. Uh, I think that's what we're missing. Uh, okay, okay and that's, those,
0: are, those are all really, really good points. And uh, I think we are seeing a, our turnaround. And Kevin Harvick once again leading that whole Stuart Haas Racing group. Uh, whatever he's doing in his car uh, is making a difference for him to come home with that second-place finish.
1: Now the the others in the top
0: five.
1: Yeah, the others in the top five. Brad Keselowski. I I think we're seeing him uh, still on that upward stride after picking up the victory. He led twice uh, for seventy-two laps. Got the third-place finish after starting on the pole. And I'm going to skip down to fifth here for a minute. Chase Elliott. He's another one been consistent and is there, but we're not seeing the wins from him, and and that's a little concerning. Being that we know Hendrick Motorsports is winning. Again, Kyle Larson, only one win, but we've seen at least two, maybe three, slip away from him. So uh, mm-hmm. Chase Elliott, kind of on the on the bottom end at Hendrick Motorsports, is the defending champion, but obviously still having a good season overall. The one in between there skipped over fourth place. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. I was going to bring him up, but you go ahead and give your comments.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, the fourth place there. Uh, We have seen the turnaround from the start of the season. We'll talk about that when we get to the point standings. Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, So much talk about him and and talk about having one slip away, uh, you know, just to to come back to next week and have such a good run. And and part of that is the second-place finish uh, at Talladega, set him up with the fifth-place starting position, and he stayed there. He's been having to dig his way out from – 20th to 25th starting position because of his early season struggles. So I think once this team, now they're rolling and get to start up front or closer to it, at least they show they can run up there. And he was obviously another one very much in contention.
0: Yes, indeed. So we'll continue to watch him as this season progresses. Cause uh, I think he's definitely uh, knocking on the door and this was a good 1.5 mile finish for Matt Benedetto. The next 10 drivers are the finishing order, or the next four or five drivers to round out the top 10 are Martin Turex Jr. in sixth, Tyler Ruddick in seventh, Chris Busher in eighth place, William Byron finished in ninth, and rounding out that top 10 was Austin Dillon. Uh, just behind them though was uh, Daniel Flores, Denny Hamlin, uh, Michael McDowell Ross Chastain and Kurt Bush so any thoughts of there Jay uh,
1: first one Martin Truex he's another one we've seen could have been a multi actually I take it sorry he is our multi time winner the two time winner uh, we're seeing yeah. him start to come back to form so I think he could be one that leads this series in wins Some the rest of them there some great runs uh, Tyler Reddick and Chris Buescher uh, that we saw kind of be in the mix due to some strategy calls, but they had good cars. Got shuffled a little bit there at the end. I know we had some great—I say—great uh, say great, some mix up there at the in the very end. Uh, you mentioned uh, Kyle Larson and uh, Ryan Blaney uh, were in the top five, mixing it up to go for the lead when they got shuffled all the way back. So, uh, but for Tyler Reddick, Chris Buescher, and then Austin Dillon. Daniel Suarez right behind him in 11th. Uh, those guys are so close, uh, you know, to being top 10 weekly, top five is the next step, and then being able to contend for wins. So good to see that. I love that mixture. And then in there you've got William Byron. He's another one that uh, only has the one win, but has been so strong this year and consistent. I think uh, we, we may see him as a champion, a very solid championship contender come end of the year.
0: Yes, uh, I I would agree with you. Uh, we want to also make sure we hit on the series point standings uh, after this race out at Kansas as well.
1: All right, and slide over there. And we're going to start with one, And well, I still have this uh, chart up. Uh, Denny Hamlin started 20th and finished 12th. He is still your points leader. I uh, talked about this with Kevin Harbrick, closing it. Uh, Hamlin has, I believe, the, the top of the board for top fives. No wins, but has an 87 point lead. He's got five playoff points based on five stage wins. So obviously he's running up front. Uh, Second place with the two wins is Martin Truex. Again, I mentioned he's 87 points behind, but the two wins give him and a stage win give him 11 playoff points. Then you got William Byron, only one win, but six uh, playoff points, 96 back. Fourth is Joey Logano's got a win, and a total of seven playoff points. Ryan Blaney, one win, eight playoff points. Those are your top five. Then we get to Brad Keselowski. He just got in there with the, under the whoops win category. Uh, also has six playoff points, though. Then we get to the ones without a win but are running good. Mention Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick. Uh, they are seventh and eighth in points. 132, 133 back. Uh, they just need that win to keep them competitive. as Chase Elliott only has one stage win for a playoff point. Harvick doesn't have any. Kyle Larson, we've seen he could have had multiple victories, but he's only got the one. Four stage wins, though, for a total of nine playoff points. Now Kyle Busch jumping in there, he's got the win. He's up to six playoff points, and that rounds out the top Ten. For the Cup Series, we've got to look at 16, though. Uh, 11th, Austin Dillon, Christopher Bell, 12th. Uh, he has a win in five playoff points. Michael McDowell, one win, five playoff points. And Alex Bowman, one win, five playoff points. That's 12th, 13th, and 14th. Here's where it gets interesting. Chris Busher, 15th in points, uh, 223 points back from the leader. But we've got to look at where he is. Total, 258 points. Matt DiBenedetto is now 16th, 250 points. He is the cutoff line. Right behind him, Kurt Busch, Tyler Reddick, Ricky Stenhouse, Ryan Newman uh, goes back to 20th. And they are 12, 18, 18. And then uh, Ryan Newman's got a little bit bigger gap. He's got to make up Mm -hmm. 33 points. Uh, but those but are the ones a just outside that in, cut line. You
0: put him above that off line.
1: That's right. And, and even behind there, you got Bubba Wallace and Daniel Suarez. We've talked about Daniel Suarez being so close. Ross Chastain had a good finish. He's in 24th in mm-hmm. points. Once they get to that point where they get that win, jumps them right up. Uh, and that's why I mentioned that cut line. Matt Benedetto was in a huge hole, and he has made it up by good finishes, just solid points. But that's the problem. Everybody else run good. You're not gaining. Plus, you still got that possibility of somebody behind you getting a win and jumping right over you, and now you got that gap to rebuild.
0: And then all of a sudden, now you find yourself back on the bottom of the cut line. Um, you know, again, it's just interesting to me that uh, the regular season champion, unless Kevin, unless Denny Hamlin gets a win uh, <laughs> in these next several races. Uh, he's going to start at least 11th at this point uh, when the playoffs begin, uh, which is so amazing. Uh, there's only six drivers in the top 16 right now that do not have a win, and that includes Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, Austin Dillon, and Chris Busher, and Matt DiBenedetto. Those drivers do not have a win, but they are in the top 16 right now, but as Jay was just talking about, anybody below that, if they get a win, uh, they're going to bounce It changes where that cutoff line is. It bounces somebody out in order to make room for them to be in that playoff group. And again, if it's not Denny Hamlin, it pushes them back to 12th place when the playoffs begin. It's It's really an incredible season, uh, I think it's a great season to see so many different winners, uh, and it's one of the questions I think I'm going to ask on Hot Topics later, is who do we think is going to uh, be the next uh, different winner, and who's going to be the next repeat winner, because <laughs> this is just an amazing season in this tough series.
1: Well, I'll, I'll save it for then when it comes up to, for Hot Topics here in a few minutes, but you're right. I will focus then on, with that possibility, as, as the experts, uh, I say experts, even the TV analysts uh, obviously have a lot invested in the industry and been around a long time. They keep saying, oh, we're not going to have 16, winner, or 16 different winners in the 26 race regular season. But through 11 races, we are at 10. Now, I know, like I said, Kyle Larson <laughs> for sure could have had multiple wins. We've seen a couple of them, but they're not. And then you mentioned three drivers that I think everybody would expect to at least get a win, just like Kyle Busch just got his, Brad Keselowski last week, Mm -hmm. Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, and Chase Elliott. That's three more, you know, I feel you almost have to add to that list, which puts us at 13. So uh, we'll continue that when we get it brought up in Hot Topics, but that leaves that question. I mentioned three of them right there, 12th, 13th, and 14th in points right now. Michael McDowell, Christopher Bell, and Alex Bowman. That's what's got them there is one win in those five playoff points. They need to either mm-hmm. get a second win or be much more consistent week in and week out because that the battle behind them and any wins coming from by, behind them, uh, you know, could make it a real dangerous situation even sitting on a win.
0: Yes, indeed. And so nobody is really secure uh, if they don't have a win this season, uh, especially those people that are closer to the cut line, uh, that would include, uh, Austin Dillon in 11th, I guess. But Chris Buescher and Matt DiBenedetto, they are the most vulnerable of that group because they have no wins right now. And so their playoff spot is not very secure, uh, unless, until they get a win. If either one of them comes up with a win, they've secured their spot. But there's also the possibility, Jay, that we get, what if there's 17 different winners?
1: And and that, I know we've talked about it multiple times, and I said I really thought it could be a possibility uh, already early in the season. And it would be so unfortunate, and at this point it's not Michael McDowell. Right now it's Alex Bowman, actually, the lowest of the three with a win that close to the line that if they're outside that and they have the win, but there's 16 others that have wins, that win may not even lock them in. Uh, So I know early in the year we talked about that possibly being Michael McDowell. Like I said, he's actually in between Christopher Bell and Alex Bowman right now. Um, Look outside right now as it is, Kurt Busch is the one in 17th. I'd have to pull up his stats from uh, Racing Restaurants Info, but he is pretty much an annual winner. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., mm-hmm. uh, not an annual winner, but a regular winner. And then we see Ryan Newman, uh, another one uh, that we've seen coming close again. Uh, so if he were to get a win, wouldn't be surprised. And that's not counting any other full surprise winners, especially when they go to some of these road courses, as well as this new tracks of, of CODA. Not only is it a road course, but it's a new one that we really could True. see somebody else pull one out.
0: True. Uh, And you never know, you know, there's some of these tracks where Tyler Reddick could really, uh, especially in the second half of the season, uh, Tyler Reddick, Bubba Wallace, uh, those guys could get a win. But I still think Matt DiBenedetto or Chris Buescher could get wins as well. So this is just going to be such an interesting season to watch it, how it plays out, as I said before. But we are now at the top of the hour, and it is time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, it's just the three of us tonight. Uh, so, joining us here uh, as well for our Hot Topic Conversation is Mike Orzel. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hello. Okay. So, Mike, we'll let you uh, kick us off with the first Hot Topic here tonight.
2: Okay. so. Back in my Air Force days, and, Jay, you probably were part of these meetings, too, we used to have safety meetings. And the big leadoff question that they would ask at a lot of these is kind of a hypothetical brainstorming exercise. What is going to be our next accident here? And I would say if we were to apply that question to NASCAR right now, I would have to say it's going to be a crew member on pit road. Uh, We've seen over this season and previous seasons where teams will have an uncontrolled tire and you'll see a crew member run out and try and grab it. We saw it again this weekend at Kansas where the four-team had an uncontrolled tire and a crew member ran out on a pit road almost a full lane out of their pit box to try and retrieve that tire. Is it time for NASCAR to crack down and implement some sort of a more strict safety-related rule to prevent crew members from running out on the pit road to try and prevent a penalty and putting themselves in immediate danger from cars on
0: pit road? Jay, okay.
1: you got uh they in my opinion, they already have it because with the number of people they restrict over the wall, and even a guy that is standing behind the wall, if he reaches over and loses his balance and puts a hand on the pit stall, that is a penalty to the team now, for the ones that are over the wall and trying to grab that tire, as Mike referenced, uh you know they're in danger as it is uh, they I mean, and they know that they accept that. We've seen some, unfortunately seen some accidents, and I don't remember which uh, which driver it was actually did knock one of his own members down as he was pulling into the pit stall. They run that risk just going out in front of their own car, let alone somebody else's. Now, should NASCAR then have looked at the driver from or the crewman from Kevin Harvick who actually went out to try and retrieve that tire? I think when you look at it, it's really tough. They're in the heat of the moment, uh, the action's going on. They see the tire. I don't know if he looked both ways before crossing. There wasn't anybody else coming. So at this point, it was no harm, no foul. However, I understand what Mike's driving at is you want to have the procedure in place. You know, if you can be ahead of the game, you want to be. But the rule being there are not, at that point, I don't think that that crewman is going to take one step and go, oh, wait, that's going to cost me a penalty. They're going to end up doing it anyway. And in this case, there was nobody coming. It wasn't a danger. I don't like the fact of penalizing them um, for something that didn't happen. But, uh, you know, for safety aspect, I see where NASCAR might. Uh, I don't know what you'd put the rule as. You know, how far can you go from your pit box? Uh, It's one of those that would, unfortunately, in my opinion, lead to another judgment call. Hey, you were three feet from your, your pit stall or four feet, whatever it is. So uh, I, I don't know the answer to that. I know safety is a big thing, and, and like Mike said, you want to stay ahead of the game. What what possibly could happen next that we can prevent before it does? So they they I think looking at it is a good thing. I don't know about a penalty or anything like that with it or, or how to address it. I don't know what the answer would be to it.
0: Yeah, you know, the closest thing I can think of that comes to this is, you know, drivers used to get out of their cars and throw helmets and all kinds of things when they'd have, you know, have a wreck on the track. Well, NASCAR implemented a rule that they have to stay in their car now until the safety crew comes there to help them out. So they're not supposed to get out of their car. And I think when they implemented that, Uh, They said that they might issue penalties uh, to those drivers who did that. Uh, And I don't know that they really stuck to that as a hard and fast rule or not. But I think most drivers understand it's for their own safety, and that's why they stay in the car until the safety crew comes. With this, I've, I've got to agree with some of the comments that Jay is saying uh, I think in this case it was a no no foul, no harm because the guy did look to see that nobody was there and he did try to go after the tire. However, I would hate to think that we're going to wait until somebody actually gets hit and gets really, really hurt um, before we, we put the rule into place. But here's the thing, too, that I have to agree with Jay on. Are, every single one of those crew members know that they are in danger on pit Road whether it, for a multitude of reasons I've seen some of these crew people uh, go over the hood and, and and roll over onto the ground um, and all you know the Jackman I, I've seen all kinds of really horrible accidents from Pit Road and some like and career-ending accidents happening on pit road. Uh, and going, if you're going to make a decision to go after a, a loose tire or an uncontrolled tire, I would hope that people would do what this guy did and check to make sure nobody's coming before you go running out after that tire. Um, but I don't know that we can necessarily count on that because they know they're going to get a penalty for an uncontrolled tire Uh, But here's the thing, if it's uncontrolled, uh, they're going to get it whether the guy ran after it or not. So I I can argue both sides of this one, uh, to be honest with you. I don't want to see somebody else get hurt, but I will say that all of these guys know that they're in danger on pit road. And they have to use good judgment uh, in order to minimize Uh, any harm that can come to any of them uh, individually. So um, I I would hope to think that nobody would run out in front of cars coming down pit road to go after a uh, loose tire, Uh, but you just never know, I guess. So I'd be curious to know what you have to say, Mike. Well, Jim
2: brings up a good point. Uh, With regard to the too many men over the wall penalty, He's absolutely right. If a crew member behind the wall loses his balance, slips, and puts a hand on pit road over the wall, that's automatically a penalty, regardless of any other circumstance. I don't think that any reasonable person can argue that that crew member losing their balance and touching pit road gave the team any kind of an advantage. It's not like it was an additional person servicing the car or anything like that. So there is a bit of a precedent for even though there's no harm, no foul, well, no harm could still potentially be a foul and you're right crew members do accept a certain degree of risk but there's a big difference between being hit by a car that's your own car for that uh, for that matter that's maybe doing five to ten miles an hour sliding through the box not stopping where they wanted to versus a car doing 35 45 or 55 miles an hour and oh by the way Posted pit road speed limit has a plus five margin on it. So if the pit road speed limit is 55, like it is at Talladega, they're doing 60 or at least 59.999 down that pit road. So big, big difference between being hit by a car coming to a stop versus a driver who's maybe heads down looking at his lights or adjusting brake bias or something else, not expecting to see a crew member running out on the pit road in front of them. And like you said, Sharon, these people are competitors here. They're in the heat of the moment. They're thinking about how do I help my team? And their thought about that revolves around I want to help my team by preventing my team from getting a penalty. And being the athletes that they are, they're willing to put themselves at risk and sacrifice their body for the good of the team. That's just inherent to athletics, regardless of whether it's car racing, football, or anything else. That's what, uh, what athletes do in order to help their team. But, That's where the sanctioning body comes in, and, you know, maybe drivers would like to drive without helmets because they'd be able to see better, but the sanctioning body says, no, no, it's probably a good idea for your own benefit that you wear these helmets. So I think this is one Mm -hmm. of those instances where you just letting someone assume the risk and understanding that they're in danger, I don't think that really is – necessary here. I think that's an unnecessary level of risk that's being accepted by these guys, and I think there can be something done to it. And the penalty that I would like to see imposed for that is on-the-spot ejection. And that sounds harsh, but it's only going to take one, maybe two, where the message gets delivered loud and clear. Do not chase that tire. Let it go. Take the penalty. Take your medicine and everybody is still on the team, no one's going to the hospital, and you guys get to try it again later on in that next pit
1: stop. Okay, Jay? Well, I, I will say this, because I said I didn't have an answer. That actually is an interesting one, Mike. Um, but the question is, is where do, where do you draw the line? It, what is it, three feet, five feet uh, from your pit stall? because, again, if he'd have turned and been able to catch it with only taking one step, I think he took, what, three or four? And I know this, and and we'll get to this in a different hot topic, the one that went entirely across pit road. We've seen in the past where they leave the tire out there, they know they're going to get the penalty because the tire's out there, everybody pits and the crewman goes out to get it and comes back, that that was then addressed because even though there was no cars on pit road at the time, car coming on the front stretch could spin out slide through the infield so that one was addressed even though there was no harm as a foul so I, I don't know I, I'm kind of intrigued by your by your statement there I just don't like the fact that it would be a subjective call of how far away from your pitch stall did you go to get it uh, just like the, the drivers didn't like it when the tire had to be within an arm's length. Because, you know, again, if I got short arms, you got long arms. Does that make it fair for you to be able to grab the tire and not me? So that's the part I don't like about it. If they were to go down that road and utilize that rule, I I, I can say that there there is a valid reason for it for safety purposes, and you try and take that spur-of-the-moment action under that condition that they have to take that into their thought process and let it go and take that penalty instead versus adding the additional safety factor. Um, You know, I'm sure we'd still see the occasional one. Uh, The the penalty to the team would be intriguing. You eject that member. One of the guys that is now behind the pit wall trying to catch the tire has to be fill in for that. Uh, certainly wouldn't be a penalty to the team, so they'd have to weigh that. a penalty to the team of losing that wheel and whatever that penalty is versus us having to swap out a crew member who wasn't prepared. Uh, definitely intriguing. Uh, we'll have to see how NASCAR does address it.
0: Yeah, I agree. It, like I said, I can argue both sides of this. I do think I, I don't want to see anybody get hurt, uh, and I would think that... Um, you know if somebody were to, I just can't imagine somebody running out in front of uh cars coming down pit road um I would think that people would look before they would run out in front of cars going thirty forty five miles per hour uh because that is a lot different than getting hit at five miles per hour um and and uh you know. It, you never know when somebody's coming into a pit either. Um, You know, if you're coming into a pit, uh, you're going a little bit faster as well. And if somebody's just turning around to go after a tire at that point, uh, that could be a dangerous situation. So I I just, um, I would think that they would address it as a team. Uh, and have that conversation with the team. Listen, we're going to get the penalty anyway. Uh, If there's no cars coming down pit road, it's not going to be an issue. Let the tire go, and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll take the penalty and go from there. Um, But on the same hand, what if the tire is going across pit road and you've got the cars coming down at 45 miles an hour, Now it is dangerous for those cars that are coming down pit road. They've got to stop and slow down. And so now you've got an accordion effect going on and a potential, you know, cars potentially hitting one another on pit road because of a loose tire uh, actually on pit road. So uh, I'm glad I'm not NASCAR. I'll just say it that way. Um, But I think it's one that could be self-policed just to play devil's advocate. I think that there there is the possibility of self-policing that as a team and how are we going to address these situations so that it creates awareness for people on when's a good time to do it, when's not a good time to do it, or do we just say we're not going to go after any uncontrolled tire period. Um, but I don't want to see anybody get hurt either. Mike, you get the final word.
2: I kind of disagree with Jay. Okay, get your, your shock face going. But I disagree with Jay in that this would just be an arbitrary judgment call kind of thing. There's already pretty set definitions for things like the pit box or pit road itself. If you put a hand on pit road, you're considered a crew member across the wall, stuff like that. So I don't see why you can't make a, a, a either an imaginary or real red line painted on the ground where any equipment or crew member crossing that line is a penalty. If the tire rolls across it, there's your uncontrolled tire penalty right there. And now there's no more subjectivity of, well, the tire decided, you know, we're talking about arm length, so the the guy with the long arms is at an advantage over the guy with the short arms. Well, you draw that red line out there that's maybe five, eight feet, whatever, from the existing pit box, there's your penalty right there. Any equipment or crew member that crosses that line is going to be a penalty, and they address the penalty based on whatever it is that crosses that line. So it takes that arbitrary nature out of there. Um, yeah, with the interest of safety, it's important to look for blind spots or soft spots, and I think pit road right now is a sports soft spot. Sharon, you talked about cars hitting tires on pit road. To be honest with you, I'm not super worried about that. Cars are hard. They can take a hit and if it damages the car, it damages yeah, but where's the car, the That's car going to go
0: when it gets hit.
2: <laughs> That's the question. and you're absolutely right. that is that is a risk. Um, but I would say that, that if I'm going to risk a, a live person getting hit by a race car, Having a tire get hit by a race car and then hit a person, you're at least adding an additional step in there. You know, something else has to go wrong on top of that. You know, you're making a chain of events instead of just one direct link to another. Mm-hmm. So I completely get what you're saying about the tire being its own hazard as well, and I don't disagree with you there. But I still think direct car to human body contact is the number one thing that we need to seek to avoid. And if that means putting, putting risk of cars hitting tires – I still think if we can mitigate the risk of a car hitting a person, I think that's that's a a good trade-off for risk right there. But that's just my take.
0: Yeah, I still think a moving tire in the air. Uh, those tires are heavy, and they could do as much damage as a car could do if you got hit by one. But uh, we'll 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 see what NASCAR does on all that. Okay, Jay, you get the next. Uh,
1: We're talking about tires, so uh, the question was, did NASCAR make the right call in waiting to throw the caution for the tire in the infield grass at Kansas? Uh, Went out there during pit stops uh, and during a cycle of pit stops, put it that way. uh, And they didn't immediately throw the caution. They let the pit stop cycle continue and then brought out the caution.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna say yeah, the NASCAR didn't make the right call. The tire was in the infield grass, um and I do think that uh uh that it was not a danger to anybody and for it, what it did is it allowed everybody to not be affected by the uncontrolled tire. Uh, because a lot of teams would have been affected in a negative way had they not let that play out uh, and let them recycle through the pit stops. So, But I think there needs to be a definition of when is it good not to call and when is it not good not to call. Obviously, if it's in the grass, that's good. But does it need to be 100% in the grass for that to be the case or – uh, you know, two, th- two uh, three quarters of the tire has to be in the grass. Uh, you know, where's that cutoff on where they make that call? I would say it's got to be 100% in the grass for that to take place. If it's, any part of it is out on pit road, then they probably should go ahead and make the call. But uh, in my opinion, yeah, they made the right call. Uh, it didn't it negatively impact anybody on the pit stops. And uh, they were still able to issue the penalty for the drivers or for the team uh, that was affected by that. But, Mike, I want to know what your thoughts are.
2: I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I think it was the right call as well. I know there was a couple teams that weren't happy with the call. They thought there should have been a caution. And they might be trying to lean on the safety thing, but – what a shocker. The teams that are saying that it was a safety issue, were, they just happened to be the same teams that they revolved their pit strategy expecting there to be a caution right there that didn't come. So another one of those times where you really don't need to take, a, take anything a racing team says uh, too, too seriously. I don't think that tire was a hazard for anyone. Realistically, they could have run the remainder of the race green flag Uh, without that tire being a a hazard to anybody but then again it wasn't a terrible idea to pick it up it was well into the grass it was probably at least a car length or or more into the grass Mm -hmm. so even if somebody was driving down pit road they're three wide and they get shoved into the grass they're still not in danger of hitting that tire now i understand race cars tend to be able to find anything on the property to hit and they hit it from time to time so it's not completely impossible that they'd hit something but at some point if your car makes contact with some sort of an obstacle like that that's so far out of play, you really you deserve what you get at that point. So I think that the, 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 at least delaying calling the caution until everybody got their pit road cycle done, I think that was the right call on NASCAR's part. And I don't think it put anybody, at least in terms of safety, at any kind of a risk. Um, it, you know, From a strategy standpoint, if you gambled and lost, well, that's why they call it gambling. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, Jay.
1: Your thoughts. Well, I missed a gap there of what Mike was saying. I had to (laughs) reboot my phone, and I was trying so hard. I wanted in on this one. I brought it up for a reason. Uh, If the tire is not a safety factor, and they don't immediately throw the caution, which I think was true, I don't have an issue with that. But after everybody made the pit cycle, is that tire now a safety issue? No. No. So then why throw it now? If you're really going to let it play out and not manipulate the race, they should have left it there until a caution came out for some other reason. Uh, not that I was looking for it, but an accident or the uh, stage flag. Leave it there until there is a chance to get it. By waiting for everybody to do the pit cycle, they did not manipulate the race. Because if it were going to be thrown, for the tire, which it was after everybody completed the cycle, then it should have been done immediately and let it play out as it was. Had the tire been in the middle of the pit road, they'd have thrown it, and those that stayed out would have gotten an advantage by staying out. So if they're going to say it's not a safety issue, then it can stay there until the caution comes out of its own accord for something else because it is not a safety issue. Then somebody, a crew member or a track official, can go get it, and it doesn't affect either side. Yeah, those guys knew there was a possibility of a caution coming out, so they stayed out. They should have been rewarded. If, if NASCAR said, hey, we're going to throw a caution for that tire, they should have done it immediately then and let the race play out the way it was. Those guys that stayed out on the track took that chance. And if NASCAR is going to throw the caution for the tire, which they did eventually, then they should have done it immediately, not when it favored all the cycle going through. And that's, that's my opinion.
0: Okay, I believe we have Andy on the line. And is this Andy?
3: It is indeed, Sharon. How's it going, guys?
0: (laughs) We're doing great. Uh, We're talking about the loose tire on pit road and the delay in the call, uh, the penalty call, and uh, your thoughts about that. So I'd like to hear you weigh in on that.
3: (laughs) This one was perplexing to me because, It's interesting, you know, the tire is either a hazard or it's not, right? So it's like, you know, how could it not be for 10 laps and then all of a sudden it be a problem, you know? And so I I would like to see the judgment call be more consistent, I think, in the future. Um, Certainly a loose tire, we've seen them call cautions for in the past, and understandably so. Um, You know, and at first, I think the rationale behind not throwing the caution was, well, there's a lot of infield grass between the racing surface and where the tires sat so you know you can see why they didn't throw it but then you know why 10 laps later all of a sudden they they throw the caution it was just a a real head scratcher for me because it certainly changed the complexion of the race we all know how the last part of the race ended with you know as they say cautions breed cautions and uh, I definitely feel like that that tire You know The the caution being thrown for that tire Really changed the complexion of the end of the race So um, I don't have a problem with them throwing the caution For it, you know, I I totally understand Why they did that, but it just Seemed awfully perplexing that it took 10 laps to figure that out, you know And it certainly, I think, changed the overall Outcome of the race
0: Well, I think it would have changed the overall Outcome of the race Even if they called it immediately So Here's the thing, Do, are, are we saying that we only call a penalty on an uncontrolled tire if it is on pit road physically? If it's not on pit road physically uh, and there's no cars coming down and nobody, there's no danger to anybody, then we don't call it an uncontrolled tire? Um, th- that's, that's kind of a weird thing, too, because now you might have people... If the tire is uncontrolled, they might not be going after it. They might be trying to kick it <laughs> to make sure it goes across the pit road uh, so that they don't get the penalty. Uh, I I, I, um, I think an uncontrolled tire is an uncontrolled tire, and, and now you're you're maybe asking for some some uh, weird behavior on pit road uh, in order to avoid the penalty. So. Just just some additional thoughts there based on what Andy said. I, I, I see the point, Andy, but I think an uncontrolled tire is an uncontrolled tire, and those guys are supposed to be able to control those tires. Uh, and I, I think that NASCAR's going to make the call if they don't have control of that tire, even if it, it, it doesn't appear to be a safety issue. So, okay, Mike, sharing. what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sharon, I think you're confusing a caution with the uncontrolled tire My penalty. God. They did. They did issue a penalty on the number eight team, I believe it was, who uh, who, got, who lost control of the tire. That team served their penalty under green prior to the caution coming out, and then oh, after okay. the pit cycle had completed, that's when NASCAR threw the caution. So they did issue a penalty at the time of. The loss of control of the tire, and that penalty was served by the team, but that happened completely independently of the caution.
0: Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, so, um, okay, so the penalty was served. Yeah, so it is funny that they would throw that caution uh, if they've already served the penalty. What was it? Did they give a reason for why the caution was called?
2: Well, they called it debris, and the debris was the loose tire that was still sitting on the pit road grass. So they did end oh. up calling the caution for that tire, but they just waited until after the pit sequence had had, had finished. Uh, and I don't disagree so with Jay either. Of,
0: the caution it... gave the, the worker the opportunity to run over and get the tire. Correct. Okay but there there wasn't any cars on pit road so he could have done that even without the caution <laughs> so yeah that that's a head scratcher go ahead mike with your thoughts yeah oh, and, wait and a second. before not wrong. you do it's that not? before you do that let, let me do the, my spiel here i just looked at the time um we are at that time of the night that I tell our first-time listeners that we are going to go out there at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, and that uh, that means that uh, we are going to go out there in mid-sentence. Uh, but we are continuing to record the rest of the conversation so that uh, you can listen. To that on our podcast, and I will go out on t- on um, Twitter to let people know that the podcast is now available, and all you have to do is fast forward then to that two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So, Mike, go ahead now and um, uh, finish off your thoughts.
2: Sure. And what I was going to say is Jay isn't wrong. It's not like that tire suddenly moved and now it becomes a safety hazard when uh, when before it wasn't so i definitely see his point of why not let the race run green all the way until there's a for lack of a better way to describe it a natural caution an accident or or something else that would otherwise bring out a caution i don't know you know it's it's a judgment call and, you know, let's also not lose sight of the fact that that part of the race was a little on the dry side, and it didn't look like things were getting any better. So there may have been an incentive for race control to uh, to want to call a caution to uh, maybe increase the entertainment value of the race. There's something to be said there as well, and I think Kansas is going to be remembered for that wild last 20 or so laps that were all started by having that caution because of that uncontrolled tire that became debris out in the infield grass.
0: Okay. Um, Jake, and then we'll go to
1: Andy. Yeah, yeah, I I I thought it was funny. You interrupted Mike two or three times there as he was trying to agree with me. I'm like, come on, let him agree with me. Let him agree with me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I apologize.
1: no, I, you, no, it doesn't matter who it falls on. We know at that time it's got to happen. Um, that's that's my point. You you say okay, it came out when the first cars pitted. You don't want to manipulate the race and give the benefit to those that stayed out. But mm. by waiting and throwing it after everybody's pitting, you are manipulating the race. So either way, that's where it goes back to me. As Sharon said it. If it's a, if, if if it's an uncontrolled tire and there's going to be a caution for it. It needs to come out right away, which, truthfully, that would be what benefits the team that has to serve the penalty because then they don't have to make it under green. But at least that way you're consistent. If the tire is there and it's going to be a caution, throw it immediately because that is how it would naturally play out. By waiting and then throwing it later, you're still manipulating it, and it's hurting those that took that chance thinking a caution was going to come out. We've seen that before. You know, If a car on the back stretch is starting to spin And guys are thinking about coming to pit road They make that call on whether or not they think The caution is going to come out They think they can get in before the caution comes out And the caution comes out while they're on pit road They get to come out Everybody else does after the caution They get to go to the front You've got to let it play out naturally If you're going to throw a caution for the tire Throw it when the tire is out there Not after it's been there for 10 laps And that's what Andy coming on I was so happy to hear that I mean that's what he echoed of why all of a sudden after those laps, which I understand NASCAR was thought process was we don't want to screw those that pitted first, but you really did screw those that waited. So, you know, I think you've got to do it when it happens.
0: Okay, Andy, you're up.
3: Yeah, and that's really what, you know, I was trying to, to say in my first statement. I might not have been very clear, but like basically just what Jay said is really my thoughts exactly is that you know, an uncontrolled tire that gets away from a team, it's either a yellow or it's not, right? And it just, it, it was perplexing to me that it took 10 laps for it to become an issue, um, you know. And and if there was an uncontrolled tire like there was that brings out a caution flag, that's the natural progression of the race. And at that point in time, okay, there's a caution for an uncontrolled tire. And I totally get that and I have no issue with that. But, you know, the the part for me that, you know, I have trouble understanding is, is how it was okay for the entire cycle of green flag pit stops. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, no, let's throw at the yellow. So that to me was, that, that to me was a head scratcher. And maybe that's something they'll look at moving forward. And I mean, that's the beauty of us talking about these topics on hot topics is you get to kind of critique it, you know, and I know that, you know, decisions are made, um, you know, on, on the go. And it's just kind of interesting to me that, that, you know, race control clearly knew the tire was there and initially made the decision that it was okay. And then apparently went back on that decision to Mike's point. Maybe it was to, you know, create some, some drama at the end of the race. Who's going to know, but you know, I definitely feel like, you know, there could be more consistency in making that call. If there's a a tire that gets away from a team that's on pit road and the grass on the racetrack, wherever, you know, it's either an automatic caution or it's not. And that's, that's really the only point I'm trying to make is it it seemed to me that it was somehow okay for a short period of time. And then it was like, no, now let's throw the caution, you know, and that, that to me, I guess, is is the question I have is why that decision was
0: made. Okay. Andy, I'll also let you kick off the uh, next topic. Yeah. Did
3: you guys already talk about uh, Mike Berlander leaving SHR or have you got to that one yet?
0: Uh, did we talk about what?
3: Uh, Mike Berlander leaving Stuart Haas racing for Kyle no, Busch Motorsports. No, we did
0: not talk about that.
3: No, so go let's ahead. Let's bring up that one. I feel like, I feel like that's a pretty big uh, personnel move there. Curious what everyone's thoughts are on that
0: one. Okay. Uh, so Mike Berlinger left SHR. He was, moved over to Kyle Busch Motorsports uh, to work with them uh, and a little bit. Kind of the, well, I don't know if it's the same responsibilities or different, but Mike, what are your thoughts about that?
2: It's tough to say. I've, I really don't know who Mike Verlander is. Um, what I've seen says he was in some sort of an executive position at Stuart Haas Racing. So with regard to his influence in the day-to-day operations at Stuart Haas, it's hard to say. It's not as if a crew chief or a driver left. Um, so I don't know that there's going to be an immediate impact, either negative or positive at Stuart Haas Racing, nor do I know what he's going to bring to the table at, uh, at Kyle Busch Motorsports. Um, it may be a big change. It may be something that if we hadn't seen it published, we would have
1: never noticed. I really don't know.
0: Okay. Jay, your
1: thoughts? <laughs> don't interrupt me, Sharon. I'm going to agree with Mike. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. An executive like that, uh, you don't know what impact or where they fit in the organization. However, being in the position that Kevin Harvick, uh, sorry, Stuart Haas racing is Kevin Harvick being a part of does make me wonder if things aren't going in a good direction. Uh, we talked about it during the review of the race, Feel like that things are turning around and heading in a good direction, but that that almost to me says that you know maybe maybe there are some changes needed uh, that it might be a benefit um, you know or in this case of uh, and and I hate to say because again I don't know the exact details of why he made his decision could be better pay whatever but it makes you wonder if it isn't uh, what they call rats jumping off a sinking ship if if he doesn't feel that that Stuart Haas is in a, in a good direction or they're going to start going on the decline that he's bailing out early.
0: Well, I'm going to take a little bit of a different uh, take on this because uh, Mike Berlander has been with Stuart Haas Racing forever. <laughs> so the fact that he's leaving Stuart Haas Racing is kind of a big deal. Uh, and the other part of this is that he's leaving uh, Stewart House Racing to help Kyle Bush on newly created uh, revenue sources. So uh, he's going to become the president and chief revenue officer of Kyle Bush. So what that tells me is that Kyle Bush, he's already kind of reached out and taken uh, the, the rowdy uh, energy drink. Uh, it kind of reminds me of what Dale Earnhardt Junior did so much of with the uh, you know, the saloon and different things that he's done to create revenue sources uh, that can help him keep doing what he's doing. And that's what I see happening here. I think Burlander is gonna be a big asset of Mike, I mean sorry to uh, Kyle Bush in creating new revenue sources uh, that will help him grow uh, his presence within NASCAR. Uh, and then what, where does that going to take us? Is he become a CUPs team uh, owner at some point? Uh, a lot of people, you know, what happens when Joe Gibbs decides that he's going to retire? Uh, who's, who's the heir apparent there? Uh, does Kyle Busch have bigger plans within NASCAR than just becoming a, a team owner within the support? Who knows? But I think this kind of opens the door for a lot of different, uh, 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 to create a greater presence of Kyle Busch within this sport is the way I'll put it. So Andy, what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, this is interesting, Sharon, and, and I agree with you. It is going to be you know a bit impactful for both sides of the coin because although I don't know his official job title, he was responsible for uh, marketing sponsorship. I believe that's what his uh, primary yeah. role was. and That has to have an impact on Stuart Haas Racing moving forward, not to say that they cannot fill that role with somebody else qualified for the position, but as we all know, sponsorship and revenue is what drives the sport. If you don't have that, you don't have the ability to put race cars on the racetrack. So Um, you know, I don't know what kind of impact that has for Stuart Haas. Like I said, I, you know, I'm sure they've got some depth where they can fill that position, but, um, when you're responsible for marketing revenue and sponsorship, um, you know, and and have extensive experience in that, that's only going to help Kyle Bush. And I'm not sure if it's for him specifically or his race team, but nonetheless, um, you know, obtaining somebody with that type of experience, you know, I think is going to really you know, elevate Kyle Bush's ability, um in revenue, like like the position says, you know, that's what his his job will be, I think is, you know, to help Kyle with marketing and revenue moving forward. So, um I look at that as a win for Kyle Bush and a loss for Stuart Haas racing. Again, you know, who's to say if they can't fill that void, but certainly um when you lose an executive that is responsible for marketing, revenue and sponsorship, which is what drives the race team that you know, I'm sure it has to be looked at as a loss for, for SHR and a pretty big gain for Kyle Bush.
0: Yeah, I think it's a lot more than just sponsorship because it says take on a newly created role of helping lead the business ventures of Kyle Bush. And then his title is president and chief revenue officer of Kyle Bush. So, uh, Mike, your follow-up thoughts?
2: Well, I mean, if Stuart Haas Racing has lost their sponsorship acquisition guy, I guess they're just going to have to fall back on Tony Stewart's charming and people-first personality (laughs) in order to woo these sponsors in. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I really don't know anything about Mike Verlander. I'm not sure. If he was the sponsorship guy at Stuart Haas, well, Stuart Haas struggles with sponsorship already. So maybe him moving on, maybe that's going to open doors for Stuart Haas. And maybe they get somebody who has some connection somewhere and they can bring more revenue in for the team. Hopefully maybe turn that ship around and instead of rats jumping off the ship, the rats are jumping back on. That'd be great. Um, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. As far as the Kyle Bush angle on it. Uh, again, Kyle Bush is trying to spread out beyond just being one driver on one team. He's owned a truck team for a few years, and like you said, he's got a couple other brands and energy drink and some other stuff that's floating around out there uh, where he's trying to build a broader brand than just one race car driver for one race team. Interesting to see where that's going, but eh, I, as far as impacting the on-track product every weekend, I don't really think there's going to be big waves made
0: here. Oh, okay, Jay?
1: Well, and I was trying to find something there, and I truthfully got a little distracted. Is that his role at Stuart Haas? I know it says he's an executive at Stuart Haas, but is that his role? Because if that's not the case of what he is doing there, maybe that is just for his benefit, not that there's anything wrong at Stuart Haas, but that it's a new venture that he wants to be involved in uh, with Kyle Busch, uh the revenue side of it. So, And, again, I couldn't find exactly what his role was at Stuart Haas Racing. So, um Maybe it's not that he's jumping off the uh, the sinking ship. It's just that that's a, an opening a, in a direction he wants to go in and be a part of as a newly um, newly created program for for Kyle Busch. And I think everybody said it. I think it is a great thing for Kyle Busch Motor Kyle Busch and Kyle Busch Motorsports and, and what that brand is trying to do, as you re- referenced Dale Earnhardt Jr. Having done it, it's not just about him as a driver. The brand. I am still waiting. I'm campaigning around the stores around me to get the rowdy energy drinks in so I can try something new. Um, I like to do that. So I, th- I think it is a good thing, uh, most definitely, for for Kyle bush and and, and with the direction he's going, whether that leads to I know Sharon mentioned it. We've talked about it, possibly a cup team on down the road. I think that would be a great thing. I don't know if that's in his plans or not. So we, we haven't gotten to ask that, that question of him yet. But I do think I see it going in a good direction for him, uh, his teams, his brand, if you will. As far as how it impacts Stuart Haas, I don't know because, like I said, I don't know what his role is there. Uh, That's still a a question. My mind just was knowing Stuart Haas wasn't having the best season, that kind of made me feel like maybe he was jumping ship.
0: Yeah, I don't see it as a jumping ship necessarily that he was not doing a good job. At uh, Stuart Hawes Racing, all of their cars have good sponsorships on their cars. And even uh, Cole Custer, uh, who is supported by Hawes uh, Racing, uh, they do that on purpose. I mean, his dad is an executive for Hawes Racing, so he sponsors him. So I... I think it's going to be a loss for Tony Stewart. I think it's going to be a gain uh for uh Kyle Busch uh because he he's been, he's been there a long time for a good reason and it's because he has done a good job at, uh with um Stewart-Haas Racing. So, and I don't know Andy, maybe you know this. I'm not sure if he was with uh Haas uh CNC or before uh Tony came on to be a part of that group, was he with uh Haas before that?
3: That I don't know, but uh his official title was executive vice uh let me see here, it's um executive vice president of sales and marketing. That's what he did at Stuart Haas Racing. So that's directly, you know, correspondent to selling selling and marketing sponsorship for his drivers and teams. Um, you know, and again, you know, that's not something that some other person can't do by any means. But when you're, you know, when your role in management is to bring in, you know, mar- you know, to market teams and, and bring in sponsorship, you know, obviously, you know, that's the driving force behind these race cars. So I, I, I agree. I, I think that, uh, you know, him going elsewhere is, is a loss for, for the Stuart Haas racing team, but I'm sure. Um, you know, that they'll be able to find someone to fill the role. In fact, the article I'm looking at was on j last year, and it basically said that Stuart Haas doubles down on sales efforts with two key hires. So they hired marketing people to report to Mike Verlander. So it's, it's got people in that department. It's just that certainly someone like him who was responsible for revenue and sales and marketing, you know, obviously moving on to, to help Kyle Bush with that is, is a game for Kyle Bush and a loss for the F H R team, but but that's what he did while he was there.
0: Okay. So um the I'll bring up a, a topic here and, and uh we'll see where we go with it. As we were covering the uh, uh points report tonight uh in review, uh we've got another first time winner uh, one that we a lot of people expected would eventually win. Uh, he ran sooner rather than later, and that's Kyle Busch. Uh, but then out puts Denny Hamlin starting in the 11th place uh, when the playoffs actually begin, because he has no uh, wins yet. There's only six drivers in the top 16 now without a win, uh, including Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick. Uh, they're kind of in the better positions. Then you've got Austin Dillon in 11th, uh, Chris Busher in 15th, and Matt DiBenedetto in 16th place uh, without a win. Uh, if somebody below happens to come up with a win, it's, not, it's naturally going to knock one of those other guys out. Um, but we came up with a couple of different scenarios here of what if we do get uh, you know, more new winners. If those guys all get a win, what happens if we get 17 winners, uh, and somebody gets knocked out because they just don't have enough points? Is that a possibility? And then along with that, who's going to be the next first time winner and who's going to be the next, uh, uh repeat winner in the Cup Series. Uh, and that first-time winner, by the way, could come from somebody who is below the cut line. So uh, let's go with that. So Andy, we'll go to you first, and then Jay, and then Mike.
3: Well, uh, I know from talking to Mike, I think we're both team. let's see, more than 16 winners. I know I'm pulling for it, because if there's ever a year when it can happen, it would be this year. I mean, we've seen... Um, a lot of diverse winners so far this year and some heavy hitters that yet to win that you would expect to win at some point. So um, I definitely think we can see it. I think that you can see uh, the potential for a car that has won a race to not make it in. Um, You know, we haven't seen that yet in the playoff system, but I do think we're trending that way, especially when you consider uh, the number of road courses, Um, you know, some venues we haven't been to yet, you know, with cup cars like Nashville Um, and, you know, the the unknown of the road courses is going to make things interesting, Um, you know, and obviously Chase Elliott, although winless, you know, he's going to win at least one or more of those road courses. Um, So there's, there's some heavy hitters yet to win. And I I definitely think that puts guys uh, in jeopardy of, of not making it, you know, I mean, look at look at the 34 car i mean they win the biggest race first race of the year probably thinking they're in good shape and honestly if i were them i'd be nervous because they're probably the first guy out you know come playoff time if they get bumped out you know i think they're actually doing pretty well in points truthfully so maybe not but um i don't think you can guarantee that in this year a win and you're in is going to get it done so um, as far as the next repeat winner, I mean, you, I, I got to go with Larson. truthfully, I feel like they are the fastest car on the mile and a half week in and week out, although they haven't won only one of those races, or they have only won one of those races, you know, they're going to win some more. And, uh, as far as the next first time winner, I mean, it's hard to bet against, you know, someone like Chase Elliott really to get his first win of the season. Obviously he's going to win at some point sooner than later. So I would say, uh, next. You know, got to get their first win, Elliot, and then the first, you know, repeat winner, Larson, for sure.
0: Okay, Jay.
1: Well, some things fall in line with Andy there. Uh, I do think Kyle Larson is your next repeat winner. Uh, I think I I actually had him pick you when I did the article on on a different winner through eleven races and breaking the record. He was the one I think made the most threat to it. He wasn't at Bristol but he was at a couple other tracks that I didn't expect him to be. Uh, and we've seen he's had some dominant cars and, and not ended up winning. So I do think he is the next repeat winner. The next new winner of the year, just for this year, uh, that's a tough one. i got to put it on Denny Hamlin. I mean, he has been so close and so much more consistent than Chase Elliott. I would put him as next of the heavy hitters as as he referenced them. And then Kevin Harvick. Uh, now, Harvick was uh, obviously second this past weekend and came really close. But throughout the year, Harvick has just kind of been a, a fifth to tenth place guy, which, again, isn't bad unless he's comparing to last year of his own standard. Uh, Chase Elliott, your defending champion, again, not up to his standards, but we've also seen him win multiple races late in the year and going into the playoffs at the right time. So I'm not super concerned about him making the playoffs, per se, unless it requires a win to get there. And that's the other part of Sharon's question. Um, So, yeah, I'd have to put the next winner uh, as Denny Hamlin. When you look at – let me pull the uh, points back up. Uh, What Andy mentioned there, Michael McDowell is kind of in the middle. We talked about this during the, the review. Christopher Bell, with a win, is in 12th. Michael McDowell is in 13th. And then Alex Bowman is actually the lowest one of the one-race winners. Uh, So right now, uh, Bowman is actually the one that's closest. It's only by eight points. Bell is a little bit more secure. He's got 292 points, McDowell at 268, Bowman at 260. So I think it is between those two. And unfortunately, you do got to kind of give that uh, advantage to Alex Bowman as part of Hendrick Motorsports if one of those two is the one to get pushed out. Well, uh, next part. Okay, uh, seventeen different winners. I think is a very <laughs> high probability. You know, it was a thought at the beginning of the year when we started this streak. Uh, we're getting really close to it being reality. We have ten winners in or ten different winners in eleven races. You mentioned Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, and Kevin Harvick. Uh, I still have faith of putting it out there. I think those three are guaranteed to get a win almost. Uh, but then you throw in ones that don't have a win that very well could and we wouldn't have an issue uh, surprising it. Kurt Busch in 17th is just outside. Matt DiBenedetto getting his first career win I don't think would surprise anything. Tyler Reddick has shown those flashes. We still have some super speedway racing to do. Ricky Stenhouse wouldn't be out of the realm. Then you bring in guys that, that have been closer, and we, we're waiting to see it. Tyler Reddick, Bubba Wallace, Daniel Suarez. Now, by my math, that's three with the locked in, uh, two that I named that uh, very easily could, three, and then three new ones. That's nine drivers for six spots. <laughs> so, uh, And that's not counting any out of the blue way outside the route. But it, there's more that there. Chase uh, Cole Custer, Eric Jones, Eric Almirola all have won in at least one. Erica Almirola actually multiple, and we see Stuart Haas uh, racing kind of coming back in the right direction, and he's down in 28th in points. So uh, I, I think we are very close, and very well could see it. I I'd, oh, I'd okay. like to see it because I like the co- competition, but I'd also hate to see a driver, and not just because it would might be Michael McDowell. I'd hate to see any driver have that win and not make it in, and. I don't know how the rule states it this year, but if this is the year that breaks it and makes NASCAR change the rule, I think it should be any winner gets in. If there's not more than 16, then you go to points. And I don't know for sure how their their, uh, rule book is worded on that. If there is 17 or 18 different winners, I think all 17 or 18 of them ought to go. And, And like I said, I don't know exactly how that's worded if the win does guarantee you in no matter what, if it's more than 16 or if it's 16 and if you're a win and not high enough in points that you're out, if that happens this year, I hope they change the rule to, Hey, a win does guarantee you in.
0: Okay. Mike.
1: Everyone kind of
2: is penciling in Michael McDowell as being the guy who's going to be on the outside looking in if we get more than 16 different winners. But, I know I was down on him at the beginning of the season, but he's doing everything that he needs to do to, to prevent himself from being that guy. It's very, very unlikely that the 34 is going to get another win this year. Statistically speaking, he's been racing for over a decade. He's got all of one win and the Daytona 500. So statistically speaking, unlikely that the 34 is going to get another win, but They've been doing a very good job keeping the car in one piece, bringing a mechanically sound car that makes it to the end of the race, and putting in solid head-down kind of performance that is going to be able to keep that team afloat and keep them earning points, maybe not via wins, but earning enough points to keep them into discussion. Alex Bowman is moving in the other direction. Obviously, Hendrick Motorsports is expected to have much better equipment, but for whatever reason, whether it's luck, equipment, poor decisions, or probably a combination thereof. Aside from the one win, Alex Bowman is having a very bad season. Uh, multiple DNFs or poor finishes because of accidents or mechanical failures. And it has Alex Bowman, like Jay said, the lowest out of all the current winners in the playoff bracket. And if that trend continues, we could see Alex Bowman being the first person out not Michael McDowell. With regard to the, uh, the next repeat winner, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. Has anybody picked William Byron in the fantasy pool all year? I don't think we have. We need to stop sleeping. Okay, okay, I get
1: to I get to I get to correct you. I get to correct you. Yes, they have.
2: <laughs> okay. It's it is rare though. Uh, I would say he is definitely not one of the first picks uh, every week. Um And I think that William Byron is quietly putting together an outstanding season. I think this week was his, his eighth or ninth consecutive top 10 finish to include a win at Miami. Um, He is consistently running in the front, not just with top ten finishes, but consistently in the top ten through the duration of every single race, every single weekend. I would say William Byron is your most likely repeat winner, um, at least out of all the current winners, the most likely to get his second win of the season. Uh, So pencil in the 24 for that one. With regard to winless drivers getting their next win, we've already talked about the heavy hitters and whatnot. I like the trajectory of Matt De Benedetto and the Wood Brothers twenty one. I know I'm a big Matt De Benedetto fan, so you can you can accuse me of being a homer on this one. <laughs> but you look at how that team started out in February with DNF after DNF after poor finish, and everyone was saying Matt's gonna get fired before the end of the year. He's not even gonna get the finish out at Wood Brothers. And now all of a sudden two consecutive top five finishes for the twenty-one team, he's clawed his way all the way up to the sixteenth points position. He's in the playoffs, assuming you know the playoffs are to start today, and the whole discussion is talking about sixteen different winners. So, either way, that twenty-one team with Matt Benedetto has crawled their way back into relevance, and I really, really like the trajectory that that team is going on. Uh, they've got a couple good tracks for them coming up. Darlington, not so much, but Matt Benedetto has uh, been a good road course racer in the past. Look for him to do well at Coda. And then we go back to a couple mile and a half where that team has run very well. Uh, Las Vegas, he's run very well in the past. And just this past weekend at Kansas, he picked up his second top five of the season. So look for Matthew Benedetto to potentially be, if not your next first-time winner, one that we have to really keep an eye on for the remainder of this season.
0: Okay. Oh, where do I start here? Um, Denny, I'd like to say Denny is going to be the next uh, first-time winner. But in 11 races, he's been so close to winning probably 11 different times and has yet to win in those 11 races. Um, so for whatever reason, Denny Hamlin has not been able to close off those wins. Uh, I'm going to say that the next first-time winner, and I I just want to be different here, I guess, Um I'm going to say Kevin Harvick. I think he's shown the most promise, uh, the next first-time winner, I mean, uh, that he came in second this weekend. We're going into Darlington. I think I think there's a good chance that Kevin Harvick could be uh, the next first-time winner for this season. As far as the next repeat winner, again, I'm thinking about going into Darlington uh, and some of the drivers that are really good on these short tracks. Um, it, it's a really a tough pick. But I think even a, uh, a driver like Kyle Busch could end up being the next repeat winner. He's got some momentum going on his side. So he's coming off of a really good weekend at uh, at uh, Kansas, uh, and... I think that could be dangerous for a lot of these because once he gets that momentum going, we know that Kyle Busch could kind of keep that thing going and uh, come up with some repetitive wins and start really peaking over the summer. So we'll have to see how it plays out. But I'm going to say Kyle Busch might be your next repeat winner. And I think Kevin Harvick could be your next first-time winner. Uh, but, I like all of the people that you guys have said as well i, I it, it we're just uh, it's a it's a throw the dark kind of uh, proposition that I'm given here uh because they're all capable of doing that but for whatever reason i, I don't have a lot of confidence in Kenny Hamlin to the point that he could be the seventeenth driver <laughs> if we had sixteen different winners, what if Kenny Hamlin, the regular season champion? with how to win I, I know that's a long shot, but it's possible um chances are he's going to get a win before that happens but i'm just just showing the what if out there he could be a regular season champion if he doesn't get the win is he not going to be in the playoffs and that's where I go with Jay that NASCAR is going to have to take a look at it and and make a decision <laughs> about You know, what are are they going to do if there's 17 different people with wins? Or what are they going to do if their regular season champ falls below the cutoff line because there's 16 winners ahead of them? Um, So some interesting scenarios, I think, gearing up here. It, It is going to be fun to see what happens, but I think we are definitely headed towards uh, a, a large number of winners in the Cup Series this year, and some scenarios that we've never before seen in the Cup Series uh, that we're going to need to deal with when it comes playoff time this year. So, Andy, follow up. I think I'm all good on this one. Okay, Jay.
1: That's a weak answer, Andy. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I like what you're saying there, sh- uh, Sharon, about uh, Harvick at Darlington. As I was thinking about it, though, that's a track you want to run up against the high on the high side. Get that Darlington stripe. That does favor my yep. pick of Kyle Larson. But I think it also <laughs> plays into Tyler Reddick and Cole Custer as ones yep. that haven't won. So, and I understand your lack of concern with Denny Hamlin. You're right; he has been so close and hasn't done it. So why would he now? Uh, that's an interesting side to the Hamlin deal. So so some good thoughts there. And lastly, with this topic, uh, Owen's not on tonight, but we're going to bring some analytics. Uh, Mike, Byron has been picked twice. Uh, I thought it was more than that, so you are correct. It hasn't <laughs> been very often. But one of them was this past weekend at Kansas by James and then – Tommy did it back at Martinsville. I thought he had been picked in Daytona, too, but uh, I was I couldn't back that up. Uh, but the analytics don't lie.
0: Okay, Mike.
1: Well, there you go.
2: Um, so I, I wasn't completely wrong because I, I, I did hedge that by saying or not picked very often. So I'm going to give you half credit on that one, Jay. You got me but, a little yeah.
1: bit. I I have to agree. It was was not very many times. I really thought it was more.
2: Okay. Um, Speaking of William Byron, where did William Byron win last time? Homestead, Miami. What is Homestead, Miami? Homestead, Miami is a symmetrical version of Darlington. I think Darlington plays into William Byron's strengths just as well as it does to Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick, and Cole Custer. And uh, I think uh, based on the consistent great performance we've seen out of the 2014 this year, plus the track suiting William Byron's style of driving, uh, I think we can expect to see the 2014 running up front this weekend at Darlington as well.
0: Hokey doke. Uh, Some interesting thoughts there. I think we'll go ahead and wind it up there. I don't have a whole lot more to add. Uh, And let's do our roundtable. Andy, we'll start with you. Yeah, uh, Twitter, CB14
3: fan, and uh, good to be back for, I guess, a rare appearance for me this year. It's been very difficult, unfortunately, (laughs) doing these shows. But uh, glad I could come on for a little bit tonight. I know for a fact Thursday I'll be busy and, unfortunately, probably going to miss most, if not all, the racing this weekend, which is unfortunate because I love Darlington and I love the throwback weekend. But I will do my best to keep up with it and see what's going on. But uh, looking forward to the fact that it is low down downforce, high horsepower, which does produce and will always produce the best racing. Change my mind and on to the next one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mike.
2: Mike underscore Rosell on Twitter. Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Uh, If you haven't seen it yet, swing over to Fan for Racing blog and check out the uh, fan at the track article that I wrote last week regarding Talladega Super Speedway. I had a blast, and if you haven't been to Talladega, I strongly encourage you to go because you'll have a blast too. Uh, Probably not going to be able to make the show this week or uh, Thursday due to work commitments, but I should be available this weekend to chat, and uh, we'll see about Monday. I haven't looked at my work schedule that far out, but uh, I'll keep you posted. Hopefully I uh, I can make an appearance here sooner rather than
1: later.
0: Okay, and Jay?
1: Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, uh, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And I had to go look at the date. I thought maybe it was Friday the 13th because I just feel like I agreed with Mike way too many times tonight, and, and that scares me. <laughs> so uh, uh, we'll have to see how, how I fare with uh, maybe Tommy or Owen can be on Thursday night if you guys can't be. Uh, you know, we have such a great time and. The mix of these guys coming in. Uh, I know I got a date coming up. I'm not going to be able to make it. So uh, great to have the entire team that we have here at Fan for Racing and and be able to mix it up like that when we when we have to.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, and uh, I am Fan for Racing sites on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio elsewhere. And uh, I'll tell you what it, I do appreciate all of our listeners for tuning in every week uh, to hear what we have to say as well as uh, all of you for all that you do We, uh, I did not get to um, Sam's I, I hope he's got it out there I haven't even checked, had a chance to check to see if Sam put out the uh, I know he said it was going to be late today um, I'm trying to see if he posted the recap yet for the uh race at Kansas. Uh yeah, he does have it here so I'll try to get out that out first thing in the morning. His recap he, he got it to me a little bit late today. Uh so I didn't get it out today. But uh uh, watch for that to come out tomorrow. Uh, I know Owen's been busy the last couple of weeks with uh, setting for finals and then finals week, uh, but he'll be back on track uh, the, the next week. So uh, look for more from uh, Owen Stewart. And then uh, I know Tommy's been thinking about some different things that he wants to write about. So uh, watch for more uh, from those guys as well. Uh, and with that, uh, you know, we'll be uh, ready for the racing this weekend. I, too, will not be available for the race day yet, uh this weekend, but uh, I hope you guys, I know the racing's going to be good. I, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to watch the replays and the highlights though so, and uh, try to catch as much of what happened uh, as I possibly can. So, with that, guys, I think we're ready to call it a night. Good night, everybody.
1: Good night, everyone.
0: Good night. Good night. We'll see you on Thursday. Take care now.